football book is doing. Last week they had Brady. This week they got Brady. We're doing it. We're literally doing it differently from everybody else. As a matter of fact, moving forward from this point on, I will not make reference to PML. Do you not understand that they are that way because you're Joe Flacco? And you just like to discredit things that people deserve credit for. That you can't possibly be expected to defend that. Talk about the game, Sam. So Who cares about what people think about us. Yeah, I like football, I like football season, all the things that go with it. Welcome in to the PFF NFL Podcast. Steve Palazzolo here with Sam Monson, live on a Monday morning on YouTube. Appreciate everybody tuning in because it's Mock Draft Monday, Sam. Yeah. We have another iteration of our uh, our favorite pastime here, Mock Drafting. Favorite pastime. Yeah, Besides you... baseball, of course. We get the parade here tomorrow in Cincinnati. There's a parade? Yes. Why? Opening day is a major event Opening day in was Cincinnati. days ago, weeks yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But... They've been were, playing baseball. Things were thrown off because of the thing and the lockout. And Cincinnati used to be the place where the first pitch of the season always took place. So now we're having an opening day ceremony slash parade like three weeks into the but season. We haven't, yeah, we haven't had our home opener here in Cincinnati yet. Okay. Cincinnati's like the home of opening day. So this would be like the NFL having their opening Thursday night, blah, 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 in like week two. No, it'd be like on Sunday. Other teams played games, but you're going to play your first kind of. It's your home opener. Right. It's going to be a parade, Cincinnati, because that's what we do. We throw parades for opening day. Okay. Because the red stockings or whatever. No, the red the red legs. The red stockings. That was the red stocks. Red stocking. The red red legs went back to like 1871. What? It's an old team here in Cincinnati. So anyway, happy opening day week. So we're going to go head-to-head. Mock drafting. Yeah. Okay. The Reds got a dude throwing 100 yesterday. I saw somebody throwing 100. That's, that's the 30 miles an hour than faster than me, yeah. yeah. <laughs> At least 40 miles an hour faster than you. Allegedly. We don't know yet. We'll see. We'll Who see. knows? Uh, so today we're going to go uh, head-to-head mock draft. Next week we're hoping to have a, either perhaps a special guest, and at some point we'll have the um, – maybe next week will be our head-to-head. I'm sorry, our, uh, our fan-driven mock draft. Yes, the thing you've been pushing for been pushing. God knows how long. So uh, let us know if you're a super fan for your team. Maybe we'll have designated drafters. One per team, or we'll just put it into the chat. We got all sorts of stuff we could do. Anyway, the people are already showing up for this thing. Let's go. Okay, you ready? Sure. Uh, by the way, it's Hutch Week over here, so the uh, the Hutch documentary. Yes, is is dropping. You have any more to add on that? Four part documentary uh, put together by all of our video guys, Austin Gale being the the host, talking to basically everybody that's ever met Aiden Hutchinson. You know the way like anybody that ever had a cup of coffee with Sean McVay got a head coaching gig. Yeah. It was like that, but with the Hutchinson documentary. Anyone that's ever talked to him for any period of time is in this documentary, covered, yeah, wall to wall. I can't wait to hear what his third grade phys ed teacher has to say about him. What she saw, you know, way yeah. back when. If she saw the, the, the genius, the, yeah. the greatness. What if he was dunking it like in third grade? Right. And you just knew, looks like a future NFL defensive end. To me. Yeah. In my amateur eye. Right. <laughs> this is what I've caught. 15 years ago. Anyway, let's. Uh, so Hutch uh, drops anywhere you listen to podcasts. Uh, we'll have much more here on the PFF channels. Uh, but right now, let's get into mock draft, and we're going to use our mock draft simulator. We'll do our best if you're on audio to, to kind of keep tabs. 
Uh, is is it just Ethan? Ethan, is it just you in the booth? I forgot to mention this to you before. I wonder if we can have Ethan, you know, keep along. The other critical part of this here. is we want to make. We've said this before lots of times, and then we immediately deviate from it. This should be what we would do as GM of each team, given that we are about to be GM of each team. So none of this like, well, what I would do is draft this guy, but you know, we know they're the team's going to do this, and let's do that instead. This is what you would do. This Steve Palazzolo. Do. This is usually how I mock draft. General manager. I, yes. I'm the general manager for every team. I like that I've given you... I'm going to go first. Okay. So I'll take the Jags during Hutch Week here. I've given you the Panth- you know, the Lions at two. Yeah. The uh, the turning point in the draft pick two. I've given you the Panthers at six. Oh, not the Panthers. Um, the other thing, we, the one place where we might cheat a little bit is when we have teams with two picks... It, do, yeah. it does seem to work out for the most part, but we're going to try to like pick for the same team. So Works we'll, out at the top, and then it goes to hell later yeah. on. We'll adjust. We'll adjust for that later on. But but don't you worry. So so let's get started here. Mock draft 2022. We're going head to head here mm-hmm. on the PFF NFL podcast. The Jacksonville Jaguars are on the clock, and of course, I'm going to go with Hutch. Not just because it's Hutch week, but I'm going to I'm going to go Aiden Hutchinson. He's been my pick for the Jaguars all along the way here. It's not just a need pick. I think he's the best player in the draft 94 grade last year and comparable production to other elite edge def- defenders throughout the last few years and you don't care if uh, your quarterback gets killed i do but I, as the jaguars general manager i have 11 other draft picks hmm. in this draft none of them are number one overall though right <laughs> but i'm going aiden hutchinson okay because hutchinson. uh we're building a team here all right so try to, are you going to follow along with your mock draft simulator? Well, yeah. So I know who's there and who's been taken. You can follow things. along at home with the mock draft simulator over at pff.com. You could. You definitely could. So that puts the Lions on the clock here yeah. at number two. Ugh. I, how am I at pick number two and I already hate it? Uh, that's how it always is. <laughs> uh, I mean, obviously, I think that if Hutchinson made it as far as two, I think the Jags would immediately turn that card in. That's why I wanted number one. Yeah. I took the uh-huh. Jags. I, I picked the Jags. Honestly, I'm starting to buy into the idea that all of the hype surrounding Trayvon Walker is. I'm starting to com- be convinced that the ja- uh, that the uh, the Lions are starting smoke fires here, where there's no actual fire. Probably everywhere. So the Lions are actually going to end up taking Kayvon Thibodeau. But but this is what you would do. Yeah, which is what I would do. But I also think that's what's going to happen. I'm starting to buy the idea that they're manufacturing this entire thing and that trying to entice somebody into coming up as high as number two to get Trayvon Walker, whereas in reality they just want Thibodeau. He's, he's the best edge rusher. Has no, I, been all along. Besides Hutchins. Yes. Right. I, I even, can see that. Yeah. yeah. I could buy into that. So you're gonna. So this is what Sam would do. You're gonna go Thibodeau at two. Yes. All right. So let's go Kayvon Thibodeau at two for the Detroit Lions. It would be smart for them to start all those, you know, start all the rumors. Trayvon Walker and Malik Willis, and it's like, come on, teams, come get somebody. We want to trade down. But uh, I'm not buying. I'm not going to trade up with you. So you're going Kayvon Thibodeau at two. That means two edges right off the board. Aiden yeah. Hutchinson at number one for the Jaguars. Kayvon Thibodeau to two to the Detroit Lions. It puts me up on the clock now with the Houston Texans. And similar issues here. You've got the you've got all the tackles on the board. You've got the cornerbacks on the board. 
Uh, did you watch a little of uh, Derek Stingley's workouts? Speaking of corners. Yeah. The the, the jumps. Mm-hmm. I'm torn on this one. <laughs> yeah. He's got this broad jump. Yeah. Where it looks like he had never done a broad jump in his life. But he was, but he just floated through the air. Mm-hmm. An incredible athlete. But his form was horrendous. Like he had never practiced. Yeah. So I don't know if he practices for things that are important. At all. But he looks like an incredible athlete. I'm kind of... And, and, and he's got the best cornerback season we've ever seen. Yes. And he did it as a true freshman. I'm sort of inclined to suggest that you can't do that without having practiced at all. Just you a know? broad jump? Not that kind of... Like, you can't just roll out of bed having never attempted any of these athletic drills and be highly ranked just through athleticism. You have to have at least, like, you know, run through... Like, Renner's 40 thing, right? Renner's 40 wasn't atrocious, but his start was comical so he lost like easily two tenths of a second yeah so the ironic thing about that renner 40 video where he claimed he could run a four six and then ran like a five flat is he honestly was probably right if he had any idea how to start at all yeah. uh but he didn't so he didn't so my point being derek stingley if he'd never practiced any of this stuff would not have put the kind of numbers he did therefore he must have practiced his form just looks ugly yeah all i know is i'm bringing this up because I had started, I, I mean, I'm like off-season hype guy. Um, but it's par- partly because it's, you know, research is ongoing and I'm, you know, preparing, evaluating this draft class. And I was ready to put Sauce Gardner at, as the top cornerback. Yeah. And I think I still might, but it's it's really not a huge difference between him and Stingley. I'm, I'm back in on Stingley in this top five, top ten discussion. So with the Texans at three, previously I had gone tackle a lot of the time. I know they just re-signed Laramie Tunsil. I mean, right tackle still likely an issue, whether it, whether they do move Titus Howard over there or it's Charlie Heck or Cedric Ogboye. So I'm debating here for the Texans. Cedric's still kicking around, huh? Yeah, he's still kicking around. Good for him. As a, as a third tight end. So I'm going to pick for the Texans at 13 as well. But, man, I'm really tempted by these corners. Well, the great thing about the Texans is they need everything. They do. So you can literally just say, who is the best player on this draft board? That is who I'm taking. The cornerback has been an issue, even when Deshaun Watson was there. I mean, it's been an issue. So let's do this. I'm back in on Derek Stingley. Okay. I'm going to go, but I don't know, system-wise, is it a little bit more zone-heavy in Houston? It's between him and Sauce. Give me... But I'm trying to hit home runs here if I'm the Texans. I got I get the extra first round pick. So I'm going Derek Stingley, number three overall to the Houston Texans because he had a really good broad jump. <laughs> no, I mean, really, because he's an awesome football player and he worked out well enough coming off a foot injury. I'm going Derek Stingley at three. So we have Hutchinson, Thibodeau, and Stingley now, the top three picks yeah, in the, the draft. The point with Stingley is the one I've been making, which is the fact that he showed that elite level of play, the best cornerback season we've ever seen back in 2019, is more important than when we saw it because we know that cornerback play fluctuates all over the place. It's dependent on receivers, on quarterbacks, on various other things. So simply having shown you're capable of playing at that level is more important than showing it last year. Right? Yeah. So Stingley, having gone through the last couple of years with injuries and just not playing at the same level, okay, it's not great. You would much prefer it had gone in the other order, but the fact that we've seen him reach that potential means he's worthy of a top five pick. So there we go. Stingley at three. Three defensive players on the board. I just want to contrast that to last year where we didn't – a defensive player didn't come off the board until, what, eight? 
and we didn't think realistically it could have been 11 or 12. Yeah. It was an offensive draft. Well, this year, in our mock, Sam and Steve, head-to-head, three defensive players in the first three picks. Yeah, and I think, it, I mean, this is supposed to be, generally speaking, a defensive draft relative to last year. The only thing upsetting that is the, the run of tackles at some point that's going to come in this first round. Uh, so Derek Stingley, I think, takes one guy off the board that would have been in consideration for the Jets. I think wide receiver, cornerback, edge rusher are the three spots that the Jets are looking at. We've already lost two edge rushers and a corner from those top three picks. So that's not an ideal way, I guess, for this draft to start if you're a Jets fan. And if it felt like that, I would imagine they'd be certainly on the phone wondering if anybody's interested in coming up to this pick, uh, assuming they're stuck there which they're going to be for this draft because God knows we're not entertaining trades at this point. We could. I mean, I'm... No, 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 no. I mean, neither of us is really going to be inclined to trade up, but we could if, no, if, no. if the right... Uh, no. You know. No. You don't want to trade? No. So I think Sauce Gardner is in the conversation. I think Trayvon Walker is in the conversation depending on how good you think he is. Uh, given that it's us drafting, we're going to be lower on Trayvon Walker than other people. Uh, I will go for the best wide receiver on the board at four. And to me, that's Garrett Wilson. Wow. This thing is really the, – the people are going to be questioning our sanity because it doesn't look like a regular mock draft. Wouldn't be for the first time. It doesn't look like a regular mock draft. Garrett Wilson at four. Yeah. Final answer. Yeah. Garrett Wilson at four to the New York Jets. So people have been asking, like, who – if you were just looking at potential – what would the the receiver board look like? And it would be, you know, Christian Watson high, right? Because of the 6'5 and 4'3 speed and all this kind of stuff. And I think George Pickens would be high up there. I think Drake London would probably be high up there. But I also think people are kind of overlooking Garrett Wilson in that conversation because he's only, you know, like 6'1, 185 or whatever. Like if he becomes elite, it'll be the way Stefan Diggs is elite, right? Stefan Diggs does not have any of those like, mind-blowing measurables that physically overwhelming he's just amazing at everything and Garrett Wilson maybe not that right now and maybe he never gets to that but that's the way he becomes a number one receiver it's that he's just good at everything and that is good enough to translate at the NFL level and that makes him a legitimate number one which in that offense allows Corey Davis to be the possession guy and Elijah Moore to be you know a three slash two take over Corey Davis's job and blah 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 makes everybody better but I don't think you need six foot five, three, uh, four three speed to be able to achieve that. The idea of potential is really an interesting one, and I've been meaning to study this for a few years now. And I just going well. I, then. You need a well. It, you need like a baseline of expectation, and then I think you have to go back and say, okay, which guys exceeded expectations? Which guys actually hit their ceiling? So, like, did Julian Edelman? We talked about him a lot on the last show. Did Julian Edelman hit his ceiling? Of course he did. You would never say he was a high potential guy, right? So what is, how do you define, which guys hit their ceiling, so well, to speak? We I, default to, it's got to be the tallest, the biggest, yeah. the fastest, but which guys actually hit their ceiling? Is it guys that had a baseline of production or whatever it might have been? Well, I think there's more, there's an assumption that athletic freaks have a higher potential generally than non-athletic freaks on the basis that if all things are equal and this guy is a better athlete, he's automatically better, right? But if you look just generally at like the greatest players to ever play, they're not just the best athlete. Like Jerry Rice is at least as good a receiver as anybody that's ever played the game. You would say number two is arguably Randy Moss, right? Now, all of a sudden, you've got two completely opposite ends of the spectrum. You've got Jerry Rice, 
who ran this fabled 4-7. And let's say that's sort of apocryphal and actually Jerry Rice is a 4-5 or 4-4 guy, whatever it is. Jerry Rice was not the greatest athlete to ever play wide receiver. Randy Moss maybe was. So you, you've got these two guys that have both ended up basically as the, the best ever. Randy Moss for a shorter period of time, Jerry Rice for 20 years or whatever it was. But clearly, athleticism alone is not the thing that makes you automatically have the highest ceiling. Quarterback, like Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, these are not athletic superstars. Um, and then, you know, the next group down, say, Aaron Rodgers. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is a hell of an athlete for a quarterback. But you look around, and it, I think the, the default assumption that freakish athleticism gives you a higher ceiling, certainly when you're looking at, like, greatest of all time levels, Hall of Famers, et cetera, it doesn't really. Like, sure, it gives you the – I think the athletic testing thing gives you a baseline of, like, hey, you're clearly viable at this level. Now let's see what your natural ability and – work ethic and just technique and football playing ability can do and it will be a separator if two guys are basically the same one of them is a better athlete but i don't think it automatically follows that freaky athlete means you have a higher ceiling than non-freaky athlete yeah completely agree which is why again you go back and it's like all right if you're just projecting performance it's not this straight line for athleticism it, there, there's more of a straight line from college production to nfl production if you're tracking college production Maybe I think the, the way we do on a play-by-play -play basis. So anyway, on the to-do list is better studying potential hmm. and, uh, and also looking back at maybe the most valuable draft classes previously. Before I get to uh, sort of pick number five with the New York Giants, a reminder that the PFF NFL podcast is sponsored by Western and Southern Financial Group. While you focus on your roster moves, Western and Southern helps advance your money moves. Buying your first home, planning to start a family, wondering how to make your money grow? Well, Western and Southern's playbook of life insurance, investment, and retirement solutions helps you rest assured on game day. Team up to understand needs and address goals with a game plan built just for you. Get started at westernsouthern.com slash PFF. All right, we're on to pick five here. So I'm picking for the Giants, both selections here, five and seven. Now, this is an interesting one. You've got the, I've got the Panthers at six. I know Sam, the general manager at six. I think the, uh, I, I don't think my – I feel like I have back-to-back -back picks here as the Giants. I, I have an inkling where Sam is going to go at six. So I'm not worried about him taking one of my players. This is what the Giants have to think about at five and seven, right? Are the, you know, are the Panthers going to take one of their players that they might want at seven? So you have to pick that guy at five. You know, which guy might the Panthers steal from you? Could be one of those tackles, if anything. But I have a feeling you're going to go quarterback. So, you don't know a damn thing. I don't know. I'm just trying to read. Uh, I can't see into your draft room or anything, but no. I'm trying to anticipate. You know what I'm saying? So I got the Giants at five. Um, so it doesn't really matter who I take. But I'll take, I'll take Evan Neal. I'll get the tackle off the board just in case you decide to go tackle. Evan Neal's my choice at tackle. My, my, my tackle one, if you will. Okay, so I'm going to take Evan Neal at tackle. He's going to play right tackle for me. For the Giants, the Panthers will be up at six, and then I'll come back at seven with some decisions to make here, with some decisions to make. So give me Evan Neal at number five for the New York football Giants. Hmm. Solidifying that offensive line. That puts another very difficult selection up on the board for you here. Well, it puts you, I mean, mistakes have been made, right? Clearly. For the Panthers to be in this situation where pick number six rolls around and you still have no quarterback. 
and this is well I, I think the other massive mistake that's been made is here's pick six for the Carolina Panthers and then I won't see you again until 137. Yeah, Panthers I mean, many PM. mistakes have been made. 137 for the rebuilding Carolina Panthers. Yes. That's their next pick after six. Right. Catastrophic. I Again, I would argue that trading down is absolutely the right thing to do if you're the Panthers. I honestly don't even care who's available. Trade down. Get out. You need more picks than this. You can't. This team is nowhere near good enough that one player, regardless of who it is, is going to fix it. If you're looking for one player to fix it it has to be quarterback because it's the only player that's valuable enough to move the needle that degree but this is one of the worst quarterback draft classes we've seen come along in a decade so is there a guy that can fix it they reportedly love Kenny Pickett I don't so there's just no conceivable way I'm drafting Kenny Pickett at six if I'm drafting any quarterback at six it's Malik Willis because I think, A, he's got the ceiling to be the best. B, I actually think he's got one of the highest floors if you need to throw a guy out there day one in a situation that isn't amazing and say, make miracles happen because I need help. Uh, so I think Malik Willis could actually be put in there day one with his rushing ability, do a sort of Jalen Hurts impersonation and get by. And hopefully that's enough to convince people in this building to give me another year, you know? <laughs> Um, well, no, you're, you're Sam, the new GM for the Carolina Panthers. This isn't just a save-my-job move for you. I mean, if you're the new GM, your game plan is trade the hell out of six, accumulate draft picks, and try and patch this thing up as you go. And honestly, for the new GM, it doesn't even matter if you're starting Sam Darnold for another year because what do you care? Yeah. Uh, in fact, starting Sam Darnold for another year probably helps you because, you know, he's unlikely to be good. Uh, and you'll have a high draft pick next year where it might be a much better draft. I. Hmm. Oh, now you're rethinking. Trade. I'm not trading up with you. You could. I no, mean, you're I the GM of other teams that could trade up. You could mortgage <laughs> someone else's future to help the Panthers. Perfect. Uh, I do think that there is an argument to take Malik Willis at six. I don't like it enough that I would do it. Um, but equally, I don't even love. I don't. Since I'm not picking again until 137, I don't love just grabbing a tackle and trying to fix that. This is a genuinely horrible spot for Carolina to be in. Like, many mistakes have been made, and you're just stuck with it. Um, I would take Charles Cross and grab something else at quarterback from free agency, from, you know, when Baker what? Mayfield is cut. Well, what is who is likely to be better for you next year? A rookie quarterback in the worst draft class to come along since 2013 – or Baker Mayfield. Why, so why are you drafting for one year? Are you assuming your your job is on the line here as Panthers GM, for, or are you even, freshly hired? I didn't mention. I mean, who's better for us? Ne who's better for next year? Who's better? Period. Who is likely to be better next year or beyond? The rookie, the quarterback in the worst draft class since 2013, or Baker Mayfield? 2013. Yeah. 2022. The worst draft class since 2013. Oh, since 2013. Or Baker Mayfield. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you can get Baker Mayfield, yeah, he's a he's an upgrade. And Baker Mayfield is almost certain to be cut at some point. Okay. So rely on that. Sign him. Are you just thinking about one year here? No. I mean, one year one year is part of it. But like the, the thing holds long term. I mean, it only gets less likely slightly as you extend it out by number of years. Okay. But Baker Mayfield at this point has proven to be somewhere in the middle tier of quarterbacks, admittedly with a fairly broad range of outcomes so far, which is 
I would say, a better over-under than you're going to get from any of these rookies. Okay, so you're going to sign Baker Mayfield and just grab a tackle. Yeah, Charles Cross. All right. Franchise left tackle. Now we're almost fixing the offensive line. Wow. Now we've got like three-fifths of a good offensive line. So Charles Cross, number six to the Carolina Panthers. Yeah. Second uh, back-to-back tackles off the board here. No quarterback off the board still. I am, if that's me, you know, Carolina Panthers GM, I am trashing my predecessor in the media for like either side of that pick. Every comment I make on the record (laughs) is going to be slamming the guy that put me in this crappy position in the first place, ripping him to pieces, laying all the blame at his doorstep. Be like, look, what do you want from me here? I'm I'm trying trying to make miracles happen with this one draft pick I've been left with. Not even passive aggressive, just no, 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 just, just aggressive. Exactly, pure aggression. Just dropping all the blame at his doorstep. So I could see you finishing because you know the um, GMs have press conferences on mm. Thursday night after they pick their, you know, yeah, their yeah. first pick. So I could see you finishing. Yeah, we, yeah, we're gonna go Charles. You know, we went Charles Cross, but you know, I'll see you guys Saturday. You just look at the media. Yeah, yeah. And it's like it's Thursday night. Right. And you're like, yeah, I'll see you guys on Saturday. You gotta, you know, when my next pick. It's a needle around. to thread because you can't just be like, oh, this dude sucks. You can't rip Charles, right? It's not his fault. It's not his fault, right? So you got to praise Charles. Is the great, we've got a great player. We're really happy. We just prefer to have two more. Right. At the, We're not the picking for another three days. That's not great. At least we got those uh, you know? eight games of Stephon Gilmore, though. Right. Right. That's the kind of that's thing. What, that's so what you're we got to we got to you know walk that tightrope between praising Charles as this great addition to the team and making sure we firmly rip the dude that came before us. They lost what a three? Forget what they lose. The two was for last year. Yeah. Right. Yeah, three was Gilmore, right? Three was Gilmore, and the second rounder was whatever they did in the draft last year, I believe. Who did they trade up for last year? Uh, Where's their pick? I forget now. Anyway, uh, I'm back on the clock with the Giants at seven now that Charles Cross is off the board. Um, Again, so it's a good thing I grabbed Evan Neal. I I did that just in case. You did decide to go tackle and and not QB. With the Giants at seven... And now Thibodeau's off the board. I think that's a guy you would consider. Realistically, the the Trayvon Walker thing, if the, if the hype is real, he's he's in play here. But boy, am I fascinated by by Sauce Gardner here at at number seven overall. If I'm the Giants, we've had James Bradbury on the trading block. We got a, Dor- a Dory Jackson locked up for two more years. Bradbury heads into the last year of his contract. You know how much we value secondary play here uh, at at PFF. I love Gardner. I think he's the you know one and one A between him and Derek Stingley. I already picked Derek Stingley in my other GM job at number three to the Houston Texans. So I'm really tempted by Sauce Gardner here at number seven for the Giants. Put Bradbury out on the trading block again. You call the Chiefs. You call all these you know these these cornerback needy teams. But at the very least, you have Gardner taking over next year. Even if I get one more year of Bradbury playing, so I'm going Sauce Gardner here at seven. Mm. For the Giants, that gives me Evan Neal and Ahmad Sauce Gardner the, uh, for the Giants. The, it's actually hysterical where the Jets second or where the uh, where the Panthers second round pick is. It was the Sam Darnold trade. Mm. <laughs> that's right. So that's so this uh, is what you really got to. So your press conference, right? Uh-huh. So we're, we're circling back to the Panthers here. We're just I'm trying to give Sam some press conference pointers. Talk up Charles Cross. Drafted him at six. Mm-hmm. Do well by Charles. And look, our second rounder is Sam. Yeah, and then you want to be like, hey, guys, um, I'll give you a little Friday preview. You, you saw it last year. You saw Sam last year. Mm-hmm. You know, Sam's our guy. 
right now. I mean, if we're playing a football game right now, our second-round pick is already playing. Yeah, yeah. How many other teams can say they already got a starter at least until in the we second get to, round? At least until we get to Monday and I get to you know, put them on the bench because I'm bringing in Baker Mayfield. Right, but that's fine. But right now, my starter is a second-rounder, and then you, know, you guys got to see Stephon Gilmore for eight games, mm-hmm. our third-rounder. You guys saw that, and, uh, and he's still out there. Yeah. We didn't get that comp pick we could back bring or him anything. Back. Could, we could bring him right back. There's our third round pick. <laughs> That's your press conference. Really mm-hmm. aggressive, aggressive. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. On the last gift. But then, Mis- and then you finish with, see you Saturday. Mistakes have been made. pick 137. Pretty serious mistakes. All right. Quick recap here. Aiden Hutchinson to the Jags. Kayvon Thibodeau to the Lions. Derek Stingley to the Texans. Garrett Wilson to the Jets. Evan Neal, the first of the two Giants picks. Charles Cross to the Panthers. And now Ahmad Sauce Gardner to the Giants for their second pick. I'm happy if I'm a Giants fan with these two players. Evan Neal, Ahmad Gardner. Boom. Sure. Puts the Falcons up on the clock. And now Falcons, Seahawks, there's even the Texans here at 13 coming up. There's there's QB questions. Yep. Who's going to take a quarterback? Uh, What are you doing with the Falcons here at eight? I'm not. If I'm the Falcons, we're rebuilding. We're blowing this whole thing up. I don't think a rookie quarterback helps at this point, both short and long term. I I don't really see any point in throwing him out there for a nightmare year with this team around him. Uh, I don't think it's helping, so I'm not going quarterback. Uh, I think pretty much anything else is on the table, though. So, you know, Kyle Hamilton, depending on what you think safety value, his ceiling is, et cetera, he's, I think, on the slide relative to when we thought he could be a top five pick running pedestrian isn't the right word average 40 times that got worse you know as he went like yeah. combine time was underwhelming pro day time was reportedly worse even though there's a number out there saying it was faster uh generally speaking you're talking about a guy who needed to show he was a special athlete and didn't um so that's not great Iki Aquanu, i think is still is now intriguing number eight overall a guy that is still potentially i think in the reckoning for the number one overall pick Certainly in the reckoning for anywhere in the top five. The Falcons have left tackle locked up. Right tackle is more of a question mark. Um, there's also this feeling that Iki Aquano could be an, you know, an all-pro level guard as opposed to uh, the right tackle or left tackle or whatever. I think he's definitely in the conversation. At that point, it's probably a reach to go for any other position. George Karloftis on the edge. Trent McDuffie would be the third corner off the board. Drake London, the second receiver. Or you're into guys like Trayvon Walker, you know, other positions. So I just talked myself into Iki Aquano. Really? Yeah. And uh, I don't know if Renner's going to – did he reshape the board at all? Yeah, I think so. Today? It's been – oh, for today? For today. I don't know if it's been loaded into the mock draft sim yet. I mean, today's the – I think the draft guy's coming out today, right? I don't know. I know we got Hutch week. Yeah. And draft guide week all, in the sa- all at the same time here. So you're going to go Falcons with Iki Aquano. Yep pushing Kyle Hamilton down the board man all right so Aquanu here for the Falcons you could play him at right tackle uh Caleb McGarry has not been great Mm -hmm. as a former first round pick or like you said shore up that offensive line for the future quarterback that puts the Seahawks up here at nine and now I'm faced with the same QB dilemma do I want to go quarterback here at nine if I'm the Seattle Seahawks also have pick two picks early second round in the 40s have a massive hole at left tackle you just took the last of that top trio of tackles this is not helping here 
This is not helping what I'm trying to do here in Seattle. Current starter, Drew Locke. Drew Locke's the current quarterback for the Seattle Seahawks. Yeah. Here's the thing. I don't know when I'm going to be picking in the top 10 again. I really don't if I'm the Seahawks. I, I think if, if, if Malik if, Willis is on the board. If Drew Locke is your starting quarterback, I can give you a pretty good suggestion. It could be next year. Yeah. That could be. I mean, if I'm the Seattle Seahawks, I'm not going to be passive-aggressive the same way you are. Or aggressive-aggressive with the Panthers. But I'm not feeling good about the Seattle roster and where it is. There's, there's holes across the board. Secondary, pass rushers, all in need. Offensive line has been in need for a while, and they just lost their best one. Their best two, really. Dwayne Brown and Brandon Shell. So, man, I don't know where I'm going here. can go anywhere. They would probably take Trayvon Walker. Mm. They would take the upside play here. Um, I might have to go Malik Willis. But then I'm putting him on this roster of not a whole lot other than receiver. Which is a pretty important part, to be fair. What's that, receiver? Yeah. No, it's a good starting point. But, I, again, I, I feel like, yeah, having DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett to throw to would be – pretty helpful don't you forget the great d eskridge yeah d eskridge last year's top pick for the seahawks their <laughs> second rounder but this is what happens like the seahawks had three picks last year in the draft this is what happens to your roster when you don't draft enough mm. when you don't draft in volume at all and you trade all your draft picks for players that end up you know kind of uh struggling at safety like jamal adams did yeah mm. silence Mm -hmm. as i ponder that's good podcasting it's really good podcasting it's drama yeah we're building up drama sit tight see we'll be with you in a minute for this malik willis pick nice i'm going malik willis we're taking we're taking a shot at quarterback i keep telling you if pete carroll wants to run the ball malik willis will run the ball i don't care they just had russ and they never let him keep it malik willis is going to run the ball we're going to we're going to grind it out in seattle it's always a bummer when you're the team in the pff mock draft sim taking a quarterback somewhere in the top 10 just how far you need to scroll oh to scrolling the quarterback scrolling you know it right. doesn't make you feel good about your pick is what i'm saying no i don't feel good about anything yeah you've already kind of you're already annoyed because you've you've got to take a quarterback somewhere yeah. at the top because you put yourself in this position and now you've got to scroll past all of the players that are higher on the big board. So the first uh, first quarterback's off the board. It's Malik Willis. Yep, number nine. Going to the Seattle Seahawks at nine. I'm taking that chance. I'm taking the shot on Malik. So we're better than the 2013 EJ Manuel draft where EJ was, what, 15? Yeah. We were a whole six picks better than that. We were. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, expectations for quarterbacks. I just saw Greg Cosell said, hey, there could be as many as five quarterbacks in the first round. Like, expectations are all over the place as far as how many end up in the first what would your what would your line be two and a half yeah i think three will go yeah in the first i think one will go pretty high i think one might go in the middle somewhere and then one right at the ass end of the first round. i could see the i forget who had the mock where like there were three trades back into the first round like seattle taking whatever whatever picks they have in the early like 41 42 whatever they have yeah, like Green, packaging it to come up to 32. Green Bay or Kansas up to City, those two teams at the bottom end of the first round who yeah. have multiple firsts could easily flip those into next year to trade into the second for a team looking for a quarterback. Yeah. And that's and that's and the reason why that works a lot is because if you're Green Bay picking at 28 or Kansas City at 29 and 30, the difference in your draft board at 29 and 30 and say 45 or even 50 or whatever it is, the difference is going to be negligible, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you're going to you might actually get 
the same player that so you I, would take late first. I do wonder how much because it used to be the idea that oh, you you really want that fifth year option. That's why you're trading into the first round. I is that even relevant anymore for a quarterback? Because you're either paying him the contract way before that fifth year option is relevant, or you're kind of stuck in this spot of well, he's not really like you're. You know, the Sam Darnold, the Baker Mayfields of the world are the guys that have the fifth year option picked up. Is that useful? It, you know what? You're, it's a good point. Like you're either all in or you're not. Yeah. But and if you're all in, you knew years ago. If but if Baker Mayfield, if you didn't have some, is this a performance issue with Baker Mayfield? Is it part off field or whatever? I mean, he's a steal on his fifth year option, right? Except nobody wants him. Yeah. Like nobody will trade for that contract right now because they don't want to pick up the fifth year option not because fair. they just saw. What happened with Sam Darnold when you trade for him and you pick up the fifth-year option, and now you're saddled with Sam Darnold on $18 million a year, and he sucks. Yeah. Much though he would claim otherwise. Do you see his comments? Uh, no. I know I'm a good quarterback. I've proven it. Of course. <laughs> sure you have, Sam. You know, there was, was that one throw at USC. I showed I could be a great quarterback. This could be his year. It could be. I would bet quite heavily against it being, but it could be. Stranger things have happened, Steve. All right, so uh, you had a pretty good pickup for the Jets at four with Garrett Wilson. There was a great line in a sitcom about that, you know? Stranger things have happened. Only two spring to mind. The uh, spontaneous combustion of the mayor of Warsaw in 1547 and that incident in 12th century Burgundy where it rained herring. What about those? It was just a line in a sitcom once. Oh. You know, when somebody says stranger things have happened? Oh, oh, I That's you, like yeah. the response. Yeah. Only two spring to mind. Uh, so you need to turn that into a meme. Sam yeah. Darnold's breakout year. Raining herring. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so you picked up Garrett Wilson at four yep. for the Jets. You're back on the clock at 10. But Sam, the only true guaranteed quality pickup this season is Manscaped mm. before you pick at 10. The leaders in below-the-waist grooming. With Manscaped's Performance Package 4.0, your skill position will be sleek and smooth enough for that sub-434. Support us and head to manscaped.com. Use the exclusive promo code PFF at checkout. For 20% off plus free shipping. Because of their ceramic blade and skin safe technology, your nicks and snags will be reduced in the in the season of trimming that roster. Manscaped will make sure you're cutting the right players and not any important pieces to your D. Look, fellas, don't fall off her draft board. The ladies out there think that long nose hair is a major turnoff. So the weed whacker nose and ear hair trimmer is your solution. Why not use the best tools for the job there? April's draft season, but it's also Testicular Cancer Awareness Month. Manscaped has partnered with the Testicular Cancer Society to bring awareness to testicular cancer, men's health, and early cancer detection. So get 20% off and free shipping with the promo code PFF at manscaped.com. It's 20% off plus free shipping at manscaped.com. Use the code PFF. Turn your Mr. Irrelevant to a first-round pick with Manscaped. All right, you're back up on the clock here. Yep. At number 10 with the Jets. Who are you pairing with? Garrett Wilson. This is so we've done obviously a lot of mock drafts already, and the Jets almost always end up in quite a neat situation of getting typically they get either the top corner and the top receiver off the board, or they get one of those and an edge rusher that fell. You know, Thibodeau ends yeah. up falling to five or whatever. But you're it, facing smart GMs now. Of course. If what the big issue is, um, the big issue is that we're lower on Trayvon Walker than everybody else. So if you're, if you go to the sort of the real world, quote unquote, the world of NFL GMs, if you're sitting there at number ten, and Trayvon Walker is there. The Jets are running that pick in. Presumably. I don't. By the way, I don't completely buy that. 
okay. I think there's enough hype that people are intrigued, but I think the same reservations we have, like the hundreds of evaluators, evaluators also watch tape. I'm just saying. And value tape. To, to some extent. They do. If if we're in a world where Trayvon Walker is seriously considered at number two or number three overall, he's absolutely being snapped up at 10 if he falls that far. I, maybe, but I don't know. Anyway, the point being that in this world of you and I, where we're lower on him and he's not value at this point, it becomes a lot trickier because now you're saying, well, okay, the top two corners are off the board and I think there is a gap to Trent McDuffie because of his size limitations and if he succeeds as a true like legit number one corner it will be a huge outlier relative to you know other corners in the nfl uh you've already taken a wide receiver so now you're sitting there going okay is george Karlaftis value at number 10 overall is no. you're looking at our board by the way i'm seeing him going late first sure to a lot of people right i mean Karlaftis, trayvon walker whoever the next edge is is he worth number 10 overall? Probably not. Is an interior defensive lineman worth 10 overall? No. Devontae Wyatt, Jordan Davis? Nope. Uh, you're out on – you've already taken a wide receiver. Do you want to double dip twice in the top 10? Probably not. This is cornerback we've already out. So at that point, I'm kind of circling back to Kyle Hamilton and saying, all right, a 10, I think he's probably the best pick I have at this stage. Kyle Hamilton. Yeah. To the Jets. Yeah, that's what I was, that's what I was thinking if I was – Jets GM. By the way, so Jets fans seem to hate it if you don't come away with an edge rusher. In the two, like Jets also have picks in, at number thirty-five, number thirty-eight. Like they pick twice, right, at the top end of the second round because they two have two edges that, there that are pretty good, right? Because they have that Panthers pick. You can either pick two, you can get one. Certainly, this is a it's a deep edge rusher class. I think top of the second, there are going to be some edge rushers there. I have no problem not picking an edge rusher with the top ten. So you're going to go Kyle Hamilton. They already have LaMarcus Joyner and Jordan Whitehead. Whitehead they bring up, uh, they bring in in free agency. Yeah. And honestly, even slot corner is a question there. And Hamilton can line up over the slot in a zone-heavy scheme like the Jets play. Line up over the slot, play free safety, play strong safety. That, the, I like that a lot. The slot thing, though, would be a reason, I think, that Trent McDuffie wouldn't be a bad pick. So you can take McDuffie, believe in him as your potential true number one corner outside but if he ends up becoming bryce callahan you know fine we need that anyway okay so i'm just saying if you wanted to talk yourself into trent mcduffie you could do it yeah i mean i could always talk myself into trent mcduffie i like him even though i tried to talk myself out of him as the patriots pick i was just you know the last time we did this just saying is he a perfect scheme fit i don't know so mcduffie on the board but you're gonna go kyle hamilton here let me yep. lock that in where'd my draft go Kyle Hamilton at 10 to the Jets. By the way, I just want to give a little quick breakdown on Hamilton. If he did run in the four sevens at Pro Day, you know, perhaps that's a concern. If you just look at his top numbers, no matter how you look at him, if we use Eric's combine score, and that com as I described before, that combine score, we map it to PFF grade. So when we map that to coverage grade, this number doesn't mean anything to anybody, but he's a 1.66. But the average for, say, a, a good a good safety in the NFL has been 0.66. Our round one safety has been 0.78. He's, he's almost double or, you know, he's 1.6 standard deviations over the average safety, just mapping his workouts to grade in coverage. Okay, so that's good. You know, all of the stuff about his 40 times, his entire workout mix, size, 
length, speed, all that stuff projects very well. If you take the the RAS score and all that stuff, also if you take your best numbers, it all projects very well for Kyle Hamilton. The question is, if he did run a four seven rather than in the four fives at his pro day, like what the heck's going on there? Because you take the guy's best number, but it's still concerning if he's two tenths lower. I mean, well, running so, a few weeks later, right? But it's not. It would be a tenth and a half, and I think there's an understanding that the track at Indy is a fast track. You would ex generally the track at Indy is supposed to be fast. So, but it's okay. also like the track that we use as a baseline historically. Yeah. And look, I know. So you, you it's it works both ways because the track at Indy is supposed to be fast. So in theory, pro day should be slower. On the other hand, pro days are typically faster because of home cooking. You know, you don't have to be up at four in the morning taking a piss in a cup. You, all these kinds of things, right? So if we say it's a wash between the fast track in India and what you're expected to do better, at, you're talking a tenth and a half slower. I don't know that that's beyond like just the margin of error or the, you know, your weight fluctuates 15 pounds because you're, you know, 275 or whatever. Where are you? Uh, today, <laughs> jumped on the scale this morning. Yeah. Depending on which part of the floor I put the scale. Which part of the floor? All right. It's like a step on uh -huh. the scale. Between 266 Ooh. and 276. Wow. Okay. So you know, was this was like range. within seconds, like back to back. Sure. Like I weighed in at 266. Okay. I moved it See, and then like, I was 276. Your margin for error just stepping on a scale is like 11 pounds, right? I just think that if a margin of error of a 220-pound safety running a 40 should be like a tenth and a half anytime you do it. No? Like a tenth? That's... A tenth is like the margin of error just operating a stopwatch. I see. I see how amateur you are. Because you're you're mimicking. This is why. No, I mimicked you, the stopwatch. You, mimicked, the you yeah. mimicked a stopwatch and you used your thumb. I did. And if you're a thumb user, yeah, no. you could say, you know, one and a half. I did that you know. very specifically because people understand this as a stopwatch mime. People don't understand that as a stopwatch mime. You well, look like somebody, real scouts You look like do. somebody trying to catch a gnat out of real the air. Real scouts catch gnats. With yeah, but, their but nobody else watch. understands that from quick glance. You need to you need to talk to them in their language, which is thumb. Just because you're an amateur scout. Anyway, so I'm saying that like if he ran if he ran another forty tomorrow, it wouldn't shock me if it was a tenth faster again. Um, I actually I'm checking Twitter. Somebody did bring up the fact that you took a receiver at four, Garrett Wilson. Like you kind of screwed yourself here because you would have had the pick of the litter here for receiver potentially yeah. at ten. But also like. It was the same problem. Like the reason I took a receiver at four is because we'd already lost corners. Yeah. And the edge. that And the edge that you, probably, that you would have taken in Thibodeau, I assume, if you're the Jets. Yeah. If you were so going to take lost, an edge, it would be Thibodeau, not lost, any of yes, the other exactly. Guys. You've lost Thibodeau already. You don't think Trayvon Walker is worth number four overall. You've lost Stingley already. The question is, is Sauce Gardner worth number four overall? The Maybe. Our Trayvon Walker game of chicken is going to be interesting here. Just to see how how far he ends up falling. Yeah, but like the the decision for the Jets at four is essentially you can you've lost the only edge you would have taken at four. Yeah. So your your call is: Do you want the top corner on your board potentially, if it's not Stingley, or do you want the best wide receiver in the draft, whoever you think it is? Now you could have taken Sauce. Yeah. Let's just go back really quick. If you were the Jets, you could have taken Sauce Gardner at four mm -hmm. and said, okay, Stingley's already off the board. Let's play Let's play the scarcity game here. Uh, you, you, I know you, Jets GM, you either want to come away with one Thibodeau, and if you can't get Thibodeau, a receiver in a corner. 
So because a corner's already off the board, you could have taken Gardner at four. The next place a receiver might have come off the board was you at the Falcons at eight. <laughs> yeah. That would have been Garrett Wilson. Right. But then you would have had the next receiver. Sure. But, like, either way, you're – I mean, you, you take Wilson at four and you hope that Sauce makes it to ten, or you take Sauce at four – and hope that Wilson makes it to 10. Either way, you're at the risk of somebody grabbing the guy you left until the next spot. Yeah. Now, the, only, the only argument is if Sauce goes, you've taken the top two corners off the board, and we said there is a gap to Trent McDuffie, whereas if Wilson goes, in theory, you still have Drake London or whoever you like. But James, Jameson Williams. You've yeah, got again, Chris this is, if you go back and listen to my wide receiver rankings, like I don't have Drake London as anywhere near. But you could have taken Olave. You could have sure. had your corner but i, I think where you have gardner but you could have had Olave too but i think there's a big enough gap between them that i it's a comparable Fair. drop to me between the top two corners and mcduffie to wilson to Olave. you got a really good player in kyle hamilton all right so kyle hamilton 10 to the jets i'm back on the clock now with the washington commanders at 11 and i'm, I'm really tempted by wide receiver in general and and here's the thing chris Olave, i also ranked number two as my receiver i'm going to stay true to my my guns here with washington we're going receiver now my question is the number two receiver on 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 our both of our boards is chris olave do i want olave to pair with terry mclaurin or do i want something different than mclaurin and this is where drake london and jameson williams are both intriguing because they're at like this they're both at the ends of various spectrums of different right drake london with massive size and ball skills jameson williams with just incredible speed where alave is just a good all-around z receiver and, and i could easily make that argument right just give me a good z receiver that's how i've described alave opposite terry mclaurin the x mm -hmm. but i'm really intrigued by big-bodied london for wentz or the speed of jameson williams so this is one, I'm, I'm like Mr. Best Player Available and all that stuff, but, but my current roster mix matters, right? Sure. So now I'm sitting here between Drake London and Jamison Williams. Williams is uh, the number three receiver on both of our receiver boards. I, want, I, th I think I want Jamison Williams. Okay. I want that speed to extract the aggressiveness that I need out of Carson Wentz. If I've already invested in Carson Wentz, I got to do well by him for my team. Mistakes have already been made. Yeah. I'm at my press conference Thursday night. Like, look, I would take the best player available, but I'm, I'm chasing speed here so that Carson could throw the ball down the field. But I have this hot dog sitting over here, and I got to give the guy weapons. Yeah. Not even give him weapons. I just don't know if he's good enough to win without him. <laughs> so uh, I got to get the weapons for Carson Wentz. And I could go Chris Olave. I could go Drake London, but I'm going Jamison Williams adding the uber deep threat to Terry McLaurin, who's already fast, but McLaurin's a better, more polished all-around receiver. Yep. And I'm liking that for uh, the commanders here. Okay. Puts you uh, you up with the Vikings. Yep. Um, biggest needs, I mean, pretty much anywhere on defense, edge rusher, cornerback, interior defensive line. These are all areas I think they could use upgrades. I think the offensive line is still a work in progress. I also haven't seen this much, but I don't think it's crazy that for them to take a first-round wide receiver again. I know they have... The Vikings. Yeah. I know they have Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, 
Thielen's getting on at this point. Yeah. So they're they're in a very awkward spot because they've kind of kicked a lot of contracts down the road and they're stuck with players for a while. Guys like Harrison Smith, um, Adam Thielen, these are guys that are you should be thinking about the future with, but you might not have the luxury of doing so because of the contracts they're on. Uh, but I, I, I don't think it's crazy if the board fell in a certain way that they could draft a wide receiver. And, you know, a lot of people have Drake London as the number one receiver on the board or in the draft. And if he's there, pick number 12 and a couple have already gone, I, it's not nuts. I think people aren't thinking about that for the Vikings because you're just coming off this regime that was not using three wide receivers, right? You're just, I mean that too, yeah. You had this team that was always... It was uh, Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen, and then it's Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. And every time it'd be like, hey, it'd be great to have a wide receiver three, but they never used that guy. Right. But the, but Kevin O'Connell's coming in from the Rams, who use 11 personnel more than anybody. That's three wide receivers. But they did kind of stumble into K.J. Osborne, who, you know, I, I'm not saying he's going to stop you drafting a guy at 12 overall, but he was decent, and they might be looking at that and saying, hey, sure, he's fine as our number three in, in 11 personnel. Sure. I, I'm just saying, I agree with you. Like, maybe receiver should be on the table more than what we've seen. Yeah. And I think, if, if, for me, as GM, it would be. Yeah. Now, if I liked Drake London more, maybe I would be entertained by that at number 12, but I don't, so I'm not. Uh, Trent McDuffie, I think, is the pick that makes too much sense. I think he's a good corner. I think you take a chance on the idea that he will be the outlier and thrive on the outside, even though he's small. Uh, and if he isn't, you need a slot corner anyway. So what the hell? You do. All right. Trent McDuffie going to the Minnesota Vikings. I like it at 12. It's a good pick. And where would we differ from the NFL? Three corners going in the top 12 here so far. Uh, sometimes tends to be a, a trend with our mock drafts versus reality. Maybe we, uh, weigh the cornerback position a little bit higher than the NFL traditionally. So we might not see this on draft night, but that's where we are here in our draft. Texans are up at 13. And this is where I think I'm going to start considering Trayvon Walker. And I don't know, am I getting too too sucked into this? You know, uh, Renner initially, I again, I don't know if Carl, uh, George Karloftis from Purdue ends up at 10 in our draft board. I don't know where Renner's re-ranked him. I know where I've put him. He's a first-rounder, probably middle first-rounder type of guy. Am I going to get sucked into the Trayvon Walker upside in athleticism? But here's where I think it becomes reasonable, right? Like, I think the idea that Trayvon Walker's upside and athletic potential and what he was done, what he was sort of hamstrung by in terms of the scheme in Georgia, the idea that that is enough to offset the gap in production between him and Aiden Hutchinson or Kayvon Thibodeau, I think is crazy. The idea that it's enough to offset the production between him and Carl Loftus, I think, is more a reasonable argument to make. So I, I think any argument that's trying to put him number one or number two overall is just it's way too it's way too optimistic and like pie in the sky projection. But I think if you reach this point and you're at pick number 13 and the top edge on the board is Carl Loftus, that I think is a much more reasonable argument to make. I'm also, you know, I'm to reiterate, too, when I pick twice. I'm more likely to take chances. Now, you could argue, as the Texans GM at three, I took a chance already in Derek Stingley. So do, do I try to hit back-to-back -back homers here with Derek Stingley and Trayvon Walker? Do I play it a little bit safe? I think Devin Lloyd, for a team that needs every position, the linebacker out of Utah, would be a very safe... I feel good about Devin Lloyd being a good NFL player. Zone-heavy scheme. He excels there. He had a very challenging role 
at Utah. I ran the numbers, Sam. Hmm? One of the most challenging roles for a coverage linebacker over the last two years. It still performed terms? really well. In what terms? Mm -hmm. In just where, how difficult it is to grade in our system as a linebacker based off of which coverages you played. Okay. So based off the coverage mix that Devin Lloyd had, he should have, you know, it, it, it would hurt him from a grading standpoint. But he still graded really well. He's got the size, the length. I think now I'm going to play it a little bit safer and go with Devin Lloyd. <laughs> Playing a linebacker in the first round is your safe pick, given the recent history of that? Oh, maybe you'll talk me out of it. Maybe you'll talk me out of it. I'm not. I, there's a place where I feel better about Trayvon Walker as a different GM. It's probably at 15 with the Eagles, just as a, as a heads up. But, um, man, the other thing I'm thinking about is receiver, again, because that's what we do here. I think about receivers a lot. For the Texans. QB's not in the mix for me right now. I don't feel as good about Bernard Ryman this high. So give me give me Devin Lloyd. All right. I'm going Devin Lloyd from Utah. With your safe pick. I'm trying to talk through it here. We're like a decade away from that being a safe pick, but all right. What do you mean? You're stuck with it now because I already pressed the button. Oh, I pressed the button too. Okay, fine. Devin Lloyd, linebacker for the Texans. It's a good scheme fit for what they're going to do. All right, Ravens on the clock here at 14. Yeah, uh, defensive line, pretty much anywhere on the defensive line, to be honest. Cornerback. The This is where those Georgia guys, and honestly, three of them, I think, are in the mix. Um, this is where I think they all become interesting options. So Trayvon Walker, I think, is absolutely a player that Baltimore should be interested in. Uh, they're a team that's going to rely on their ability to coach players because they've done it before. They've done it well before. And Trayvon Walker does have freakish athletic ability. Now, he has terrible production, like really bad. Um, and only some of that gets explained by the scheme. Now, it, so this is an important point, right? The scheme legitimately does explain some of it. Like you go and look at how much he aligned inside as opposed to on the edge. Uh, it's a lot more than Hutchinson and Thibodeau than those kinds of guys. On the other hand, if you look at just the snaps when he was lined up outside, he still wasn't productive, you know? So it's not like, oh... They just lined him up in places where he didn't really have the well, ability to rush the passer. So, therefore, his production is worse. If you look at just the snaps where he was lined up outside on the edge as a true rusher, it still wasn't productive. If but even then, if you give him... If you then look at, you know, obvious passing situations, so you can't... Because the, the, next, the next excuse is, well, in that Georgia system, he was tasked with setting a hard edge. This is... Uh, Jarrett Johnson we're talking about here. This is not a guy who got to pin his ears back and rush the passer. So, okay, fine. Now, if we look at just obvious pass rushing situations, nope, still isn't. Like, there's no way of slicing data, tape, subsets, whatever, that makes Trayvon Walker a comparable level of production pass rusher to the elite pass rushers in this class. So now what you have to do is say, okay, he's just not, he's just ill-refined in that area. And what we're going to do is take the fancy ball of clay and our coaching staff here in Baltimore is going to turn that guy into the pass rusher we know he can be. Let me, I'll take that even one step further. What if you just say he was never allowed to win a pass rush, right? The scheme said never win, just, just take the edge, right? So we've never even seen him try to win. We've never even, you know, the scheme just never let him do anything. It's still okay. risky because you've never seen him do it because he's never been asked to, you know, go win one-on-ones. I'm just saying theoretically. Of course, he had to win every now and again. Yeah. But the, but like you said, there's no 
you're looking at it from like a production standpoint, but even if you say, well, he's supposed to keep contained and he's supposed to do all these things, then it's still a risky first round pick because he's just a, a ball of clay, as you said. Yeah. But so. I think the point being that like there's no defensive scheme in the world that says don't win. You know, whatever you do, no, there's like don't win, win your rep. Win a certain way right. and all that stuff. So yeah. and th there's absolutely a fair argument that says that the defensive scheme he was in at Georgia definitely didn't put him in the same position to succeed and to dominate and to consistently win as Hutchinson or Thibodeau or some of these other guys, right? But you can find like different subsets where he did have a comparable, you know, chance to win those reps and didn't. So it's a thing, but it doesn't get you all the way there. And that's the point. And that's why I don't think he's in the top five conversation or shouldn't be for me. But at pick number 14, now we're interested. Similarly, I think Devontae Wyatt is the cleanest of those uh, front Georgia defensive line uh, players, whether it's Trayvon Walker on the edge or Wyatt and Jordan Davis on the interior. I think he's probably the most immediately successful and just has the cleanest tape and is good. Really? Yeah. And then so. Jordan Davis is almost kind of like, like an interior version of Trayvon Walker. It's like the production isn't where it should be. Some of it is explained by scheme. Some of it is explained by... Uh, but th then there's the sort of lingering question mark of, well, why, why wasn't he more productive as a dude that's that freaky? You know, six foot seven, 340 pounds with the ability to like manhandle two different offensive linemen at the same time. Why were you not a human wrecking ball? Like all the time, right? Every single rep that guy played, he should have been winning immediately. Yeah. And he wasn't. Why? So I think if I'm Baltimore... At this point, I'm massively intrigued by either Trayvon Walker or Jordan Davis. That's great. You got to pick one. I know that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm weighing that up now. You know, um, full disclosure, last year when we did the head-to-head, -head, I think we, we mocked it out ahead of time, mm. right? And then kind of like fake real-timed it, you right. know? This year, this is legit real-time. Also, by so the we're, way, we're thinking through it. I think Linderbaum would be in the conversation as well. Yeah, um, there's the one Ravens fan who attacks me all the time saying, no, they always say he's too undersized and the Ravens like big dudes and he keeps sending me quotes. And don't maybe care. he's right. But, I, but but I'm the Ravens GM. Right. I, I don't care don't what they think. I don't care what they say. If he's what, 295? Are you telling me that 10 pounds on this guy is the difference between him? Oh, he's not a scheme fit at all over here. He puts on 10 pounds of weight and you're like, perfect, nailed, first round pick. Like, it, it isn't. He's, he's already shown that like, he, it's not like, the 10 pounds is costing him anything. They're already looking at this guy absolutely dominating. His quickness puts him in position to make the blocks anyway. I don't care yeah. that he's 10 pounds lighter than you want him to be. All right, Ravens at 14. Where are you going? <coughs> make, a uh, pick. make a pick, Sam. God damn it. I don't like this pick. Don't like this pick because there's too many options. Um, but none, but, but there's no locked in option here. I'm starting to not love the draft right now. <laughs> I'm starting. I'm, I'm looking ahead. I'm trying to anticipate. I got two Eagles picks coming up here. I think that's how we'll do it, right? I'll do the two Eagles picks. You'll do the two Saints picks. I'm just not loving it. Okay. Ugh. Um, yeah. Ugh. Is right. Hmm. Ugh. All right. I'm going to take Wyatt and work on the base. No, not Wyatt. Walker and work on the basis that one of my elite athlete edge rushers will become amazing. Well, you're gonna. He's gonna get ten sacks a year. Half of them unblocked. Yeah. 
yeah. with the Ravens and think about We're the comp the, pick. You're drafting him for the comp pick you're going to get. And think years. of the athleticism I'm putting on the field at edge now between Adafi Owe and Trayvon Walker. Absolutely. Look, there are also clips of Walker dropping into coverage and making plays, and you can do that with him. Right? You don't want to draft a guy just because he could drop into coverage as an edge defender, but they're, like the Ravens will use him in a versatile way. I like it. Trayvon Walker at 14. Done. Look, I could be suckered in by low production guys just like the next guy. Hmm. Great. What just happened here? That'll lead to some really successful uh, drafting. No, I mean, I wouldn't wouldn't really get sucked in. All right, Trayvon Walker goes to the Ravens at 14. Here's how we're going to do it. I've got the Eagles here at 15. Yep. I'm taking all the odd picks, but they also pick at 18. Mm -hmm. So I'll take the two Eagles picks, and then you have the Saints at 16 and 19. You'll take the two Saints picks. Yeah. Sound good? But then what do you want to do about the Chargers? And then I'll take the Chargers. We'll go back to me at odd. Okay. Right? And then you'll take and then you go you'll get the Steelers at twenty. Yeah. Okay? Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna take the Eagles at fifteen. You went Trayvon Walker. That's one place I would have considered him. I'm looking at Devontae Wyatt here as the uh interior wrecker. Uh, because the Eagles love to have that good offensive line. I mean defensive line. And I think Wyatt makes a lot of sense here. So I'm gonna go uh, bring back Fletcher Cox just for the one year. You've got Javon Hargrave. I mean, uh, Cox maybe have two years left. No, I got one. I think they signed him too. Yeah, my data could be off here. Look, we're bringing we're bringing in big bodies. Give me Devonte Wyatt at fifteen to the Philadelphia Eagles. Plus, Devin Lloyd's off the board here. So, uh, where is he? I'm taking Devonte Wyatt at fifteen for the Philadelphia Eagles. Puts the Saints on the clock in this very interesting situation here. Just writing Mil- Milton Williams right out of history. No, but he's more of an edge, too. He's kind of an edge. Milton? Yeah. 270. I mean, he's not, Spall. though. He Spall. plays inside. He's an in-out guy. Give me Devontae Wyatt. All right. So Wyatt goes 15 to the Eagles. You're up. Uh, the Saints, I think. So, you know, we had that reaction about what are the Saints doing with this trade? Are they trying to trade up again? You know, are they making a move into the top 10 for a quarterback or blah, blah, blah? people were making the point that they they really just don't give a crap about the future ever. So really what they want is we have two holes to fill, offensive line and, and wide receiver, and we want to have – we want them both. We yeah. want two first-round picks, offensive tackle, wide receiver, done, the end. So they're perfectly prepared to make a ridiculous trade at this point three weeks ahead of the draft just to be able to have those two needs filled, which is – That was my theory on it's it. It's amazing that and was possibly true. That they just wanted to fill those needs. Now, yeah. they're also a couple years removed. They, they drafted Cesar Ruiz, a center-slash-guard, at a position that was not a need at the time. I mean, it's not like every single time, but they, they went up to get Marcus Davenport. They're aggressive, yeah, for sure. Um, <clears throat> so if you're looking at offensive linemen, the top three tackles went. So now you're, it's the Bernard Ryman, the Trevor Penning of the world. Or your wide receivers, you still have Drake London on the board. You still have Olave. Um these are guys definitely in the mix. 16. I'm going to take Trevor Penning at 16. Really? Yeah. He's going to play left tackle for you there? Yep. Okay. Trevor Penning, the mauler, to play left tackle for the New Orleans Saints, replace Teron Armstead. So that puts the Chargers up on the clock at 17. So I'm going to go back to back here. Chargers and Eagles with the Chargers – this is one of the most debated picks has been Jordan Davis, right? Jordan Davis on the surface before the Chargers made a few other moves looked like this perfect. He's going to play run defense for us. We can multi-gap with him and 
play the the soft coverages, the the two high coverages that we like to play. If you're Brandon Staley, so that's an intriguing pick there. You also have the offensive line overhaul that the Chargers did last year, but there's a right tackle question right now. That's where Bernard Ryman, right currently 13 on our on the PFF draft board, he could be in play. So I like Ryman there potentially as well, who you just considered. So I'm kind of I'm kind of glad you went penning over Ryman because I think I'm just going to take him to play right tackle and fill that need along the offensive line. Need plus value. I'm not not drafting for need here, Sam. I'm continuing to build this offense around Justin Herbert. Give right. me Ryman and I'll figure out not I don't even need a 340 pound defensive tackle. <laughs> right? I'm not saying I'll figure it out later. I don't think I need that. I don't need that on my roster necessarily. But I'm going Ryman here to fill that right tackle spot for the Chargers. That gives the Eagles so the Eagles are back up on the clock. I already took Devontae Wyatt uh at defensive tackle. This is where, for the third straight year, I'm probably drafting a receiver. This was this was more palatable before when you had three first round picks. I think if you're the Eagles, but I would say value matches up here. I'm going with my wide receiver too, Chris Olave, Ooh. at 18. The guy that you think gets open too much for uh, Jalen Hurts. Ridiculous take. Not what I've said, but sure. Yeah, yeah. I uh, look. You you can't defend yourself. I'm on the clock, so I'm taking Chris Olave at 18. For the Philadelphia Eagles. So that'll give them Devontae Wyatt and Chris Olave. They'll figure out this receiver situation at some point, right? Devontae Smith, Chris Olave as your one and two. Feeling much better about that. What do you mean they'll figure it out? I mean, they just keep drafting receivers. And by the end, at some point, we'll have a, a nice, well-rounded receiving core. This is another step to it. I mean, they might have one already if the quarterback was able to hit them. Yeah, Devontae Smith can still – yeah, he's still good. We, we need more receivers. So we're getting Chris Olave. All right. That puts the Saints back up on the clock at 19. So you're going to pick for the Saints at 19 and then the Steelers at 20. I'll come back with the Patriots at 21. The Saints, I think, are going to take the next wide receiver on the board, which is many people's number one wide receiver on the board, Drake London. And while I'm less in love with him than others, I think at 19 he's good value and I'll take that chance. Oh, boy. Drake London at 19 to the New Orleans Saints. Are you going to keep Michael Thomas around? If I can, yeah. I mean, so – wasn't that uh, Austin's comp? I Austin's think. comp, terrible comp for him. Hate that comp for Drake London. But what was you hated Austin's comps? What is he looking for? Production? I comps? don't know. What's he looking for? Because <laughs> I've made production. comps That's part before. of the problem. Is it's just that people need to specify when you give a comp. Like, what is this? Is this this is how productive this player we, will end up being? We do. Life? By the way, sorry, I interrupted you again. I hate when I do that. I just, there's many different ways. Like somebody tweeted the other day, like, oh, you know, you guys are hating my comps, but they could be like production comp, style comp. There's all these different types of comps. Like, oh, okay, which were they, right? Yeah, you have to specify. Exactly. Yeah. So if you're going to, certainly if you're going to complain about that, you need to at least like give the context of what the hell you're talking about when you give these comps. So Austin was one of those people, right? Tweeted out, here's my 15 comps for all these guys. I'm not going to tell you what they are, like stylistic production whatever that's anyway whatever his comps were i always think about it as a stylistic thing right yeah to me if you're going to give a player comp it should be a style comp and if you're making a style comp for drake london the dude has to be at least six four right <laughs> i mean that's your starting point <laughs> at the very minimum though like i am assuming it's a style comp unless told otherwise right so if you're throwing out a comp there absent of context i'm assuming you're talking style and if you're, i don't think that michael thomas for Drake London is a stylistically good comp. Now, if you're saying, because I, I use the phrase uber possession guy, which is that Michael Thomas, Chris Carter, you know, average 
13, 12, 13 per catch and just move the chains a ton. If you're saying Drake London's going to be that guy at the NFL level, not a burner, not an explosive player, but he's going to move the chains a lot, similar to Michael Thomas, I could understand that. Hmm. If you're saying that's where the production's going to land. Or if you say he's going to be like Matt Jones with right. ball skills. I mean, well, I mean... Jaguars, Matt Jones with ball skills. The problem skills. is like production. I mean, Michael Thomas has been one of the most productive wide receivers in NFL history through the first few years of its career in terms of volume of catches and all those kinds of things. Maybe you feel that's, that's what Drake London's going to do. That's probably optimistic. All right, so you're going Drake London at 19 for the Saints. That gives them Drake London and Trevor Penning building that offense around Jameis here. Yep. All right, Steelers are up on the clock here at number 20. They are. Uh, and a lot of the people that they might have drafted are already gone. There's one guy I think they would. You've been saying they want Malik Willis since like the start of the draft process. Well, he's gone, obviously. Yes. I'm saying like Linderbaum, though, I think would be would oh. be their guy here. Well, yeah. I'm not trying to like, you know, make your pick for you or anything. But Same colors. You know, you fit right in there. Keep yeah. his own uniform. He looks like a Stealer. Yeah. He could keep his old, yeah. you know, his undershirts uniform. and all that stuff. Right. Same ones. Doesn't even need to get new, new stuff. So true. Uh, well, that's obviously a bonus. Yeah, Linderbaum, I think, is in the, definitely in the discussion. They do need to keep building offensive linemen. Would you take a quarterback? Who are you down to? Like, you've lost. I mean, I think a big part of it is what you think of the number two, three quarterbacks. Where are you on Desmond Ritter? Where are you on Kenny Pickett? I don't think you. Kenny Pickett, the hometown hero. Kenny I... Pickett's the one guy. I don't, I don't want to spend a first-round pick on Kenny Pickett. I, I just did. Don't my weekly Pittsburgh radio hit last week. Uh-huh. And the two guys, uh, Pony and Muller, that I work with, were like... Pony the... and Muller? Muller. Muller? Muller. Looks like Mueller. Pony. Andrew Phil Pony. Pony and oh, Muller. Oh, I see. Rather than the horse. It's not like the hits you do with, like, you know, the bear and whoever else you work with. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, people are... People give themselves some, some weird names. Yeah, radio names. Yeah. Pony and Mahler, pretty big names over in Pittsburgh, but they were the coaches of the Pittsburgh spring game on Saturday. So, they, you know, connected with the university, university, university of Pittsburgh and all that stuff. Right. Right. And I was fresh off of receiver scouting at the senior bowl where Kenny where Pickett. Where you hated Kenny Pickett. Yes. Where Kenny Pickett, every throw is like an overthrow, a 12-yard underthrow. It's just a disaster. Uh-huh. And I may have taken out some of my Kenny Pickett aggression. I mean, there was like awkward radio silence when i was like this is the guy i just wouldn't take in the first round yeah if i'm the steelers i take malik willis maybe i take desmond this is my answer actually they asked me desmond ritter but i just wouldn't take the other guys yeah in the first round if i'm the steelers i i and agree, they were very I upset i don't i don't think kenny pickett is a first round talent i don't but i think the narrative on him is kind of off like the thing that people the things that people say he's great at i don't think he really is i think he's going to struggle early in his career because he holds onto the ball too long. He doesn't have a great sense in the pocket. Anytime anything gets cluttered, he immediately is looking to run the hell away from it and make plays with his legs. And as much as he did that a lot in college, I don't think he's a good enough athlete to survive or to thrive doing that at the NFL level with the caveat that that has got me burned in the past. That's a, I think that is a very tricky judgment call to make, right? When is your athleticism enough for the next level versus when it's not? If it's not, you end up as Christian Ponder. If it is, you end up as Patrick Mahomes, just in terms of like what you can get away with. So that's a very, and honestly, if you went and looked at like the 40 times between Ponder and Patrick Mahomes, there's probably not much in it, right? So that is a pretty tricky line to trade. Game speed, baby. Right. So 
But that's the, I, so I don't think Kenny Pickett is going to survive just because he's accurate at the next level. Uh, whereas if you look at Desmond Ritter, Ritter's processing is really good. His accuracy is less good, but when he actually hits the dude he's aiming for, he hits him properly. Like it's in stride, it's it's perfect ball location. It's just that every now and again he's gonna one of them's gonna miss completely. Uh, and he's a way better athlete. So I actually think there's a much easier sell on Kenny Pickett at like twenty. No, sorry, on uh, Desmond Ritter at twenty than Kenny Pickett. That being said, I don't really want to do either of them. So if I'm the Steelers, I'm gonna take Linderbaum on the basis that I think he might be. I don't want to might be the Quentin Nelson of centers, i.e. somebody that's so freaking good at that position that it changes where you should be drafting a center. I like it. I think that's the right play. That's fine. And 20, by the way, puts him in the range of like where you should be drafting a quote unquote elite center anyway. Like that's where, you know, Nick Mangold or whatever. Was oh, you definitely drafted. feel feel much better about that. All right. So let me fill that in here. We've got where's my where's my mock here? Lost it while I was looking up some measurables for maybe my next player. Did I lose my mock draft? Sweet. It's there the it Patriots is. up next. That's right here. All right, so t Tyler Lindebaum, that's who you picked? Yep. To the Steelers. I think that's a good pick Thank for you. them. They like that. Let me know what the uh, what the pony says. Uh, remember I did the survey last time. We yeah, did yeah. I did Linderbaum or uh, Penning. Penning, and they said... Linderbaum. Which I think they're crazy about, by the way. Think about, once he's drafted by the Steelers, just give him the gold jacket. Hasn't that mystique gone from the last guy they drafted at that spot? They didn't draft him in the first round. No, but now you can Kendrick can't. Green was a third-round pick. But now you broke really the streak. But now you broke the streak. You can't be like, we go from Hall of Famer to Hall of Famer to Hall of Famer to this dude in the third round. What was it? Uh, Webster? Yep. In the 70s. Dermani Dawson? Yep. In the 80s. In 90s. You got Marquise Pouncey. There's one more, isn't there? Wasn't there a guy after someone else between in there. Dawson and? Yeah, it wasn't wasn't a Hall of Famer though. <laughs> Alan Fanica was the Hall of Famer on those teams after Dermani Dawson. Then it's Marquise Pouncey in like 2010, and now it's we had Jeff Hardings for a while. Right, not a Hall of Famer, no. but not a first rounder. Okay, right. You go from Dermani Dawson, then you get first round Marquise Pouncey. Now it's going to be first round Tyler Linderbaum, ten years, and boom, right to the Hall of Fame what we're getting okay all right patriots are up here at 21 and i don't love anything here i think this is one of those picks with the patriots where um you're looking at needs and it's like yeah you can look at the offensive line at tackle for the future here beyond trent brown and isaiah win don't know if there's anybody that fits the bill right now you could look at you know they just have Devonte parker maybe receivers off the board you could add more edge depth could always use linebacker help. This feels like the Patriots. Belichick's just going to draft a safety at 21. There's no non-Kyle Hamilton safety that I think is getting drafted in the top 21. But this definitely feels like Belichick's going to draft a safety. And I could actually be talked into that. The right safety. Jaquan Brisker hmm. from Penn State. Been grinding that safety tape. I'm a big Brisker fan, Sam. <laughs> yeah. Devin McCourty's here for one more year. He's retiring soon. You're starting to play more too high zone coverages. That's where Brisker, with his physicality, plays well. Him and Kyle Duggar. So uh, I could see that on draft day. I could just see it happening. Well, this is this is not what Belichick's going to do. You're GM. I know, so but you, I'm me you, GM. You're going to go with safety. Brisker's high on my Patriots board. You're going to reach for I, safety as the GM. Number 21. It's not a reach. It's a first-round player. Renner's 
You were picking at 21. Renner's out of his mind. The first round player is not relevant. It's the players that Renner, that we have on our draft board, like Andrew Booth, I'm not touching Andrew Booth in the first round. Why not? Clemsing corner. He's not that good. Isn't he? No, he's not that good. He's pretty good. I'm not touching Andrew Booth in the Andrew first Booth round. Andrew Booth is just a cornerback version of the Jordan Davises, the, the uh, Trayvon Walkers of the world. True. It's and I should athletic be. Athletic potential. I should be more likely to take the corner than say the defensive lineman in those situations. I think Carl Loftus too is incredible value here. You got Matthew Judon, you got Josh Uche, but Carl Loftus could be my edge setter. I think that's where I'm going because he's still 10 on our board. We'll see if he ends up dropping or whatever, but I'm going George Carl Loftus for the Patriots here at 21. Okay. That's what I've talked myself into. Oh, Do we need no. a reset or anything? Just rewind. <laughs> Just rewind. Just rewind. Who's top on the PF on the PFF draft board right now? Packers are up at twenty-two. Nicobe Dean, Jordan Davis, Sam Howell. Why have I got all the teams that have made mistakes and saddled me with a horrible situation? What do you mean? The Packers have given you two picks. I had twenty-two, Carolina. twenty-eight. I had Carolina, where I'm going to have a nakedly aggressive press conference after my pick and blame everything on the last guy that was in the building. I've now got Green Bay where I've got the final twilight years of maybe the greatest quarterback to ever play, and I have no wide receivers. What? Yeah. They don't have Tom Brady. Maybe. To ever, and I'm settled here with no wide receivers, so I have to draft a wide receiver. Yeah, and you have to report back to Aaron Rodgers like, hey, uh, Aaron, we here, here, here's the guy we drafted. I'm I hope just you're not in the mad. Press conference. Well, Aaron liked this guy, so that's who we've taken. That's good. We've gone who, from who do you think's top on Aaron's board right that's now? That's the thing. We've gone from well, he he liked uh, he wanted Randall Cobb back in the building. So who's the most Randall Cobb esque wide receiver? Sky in this Moore. Group? Anyway, we've gone from like Aaron <laughs> Aaron, Aaron. By the way, he also wanted Justin Jefferson really badly. We've gone from we're not even going to get his input or assistance in wooing free agents ever. Right? He literally has no say whatsoever in the roster composition of this team. To well, we've got two first-round picks and no wide receivers, so we're just going to let Aaron make the selection at this point. <sighs> That's what you're doing as GM? I mean, I'm absolutely going to get his input. Like, this is going to be your number one wide receiver straight out of the box, Aaron. Who do you think is going to be that guy? Like, all right. I, I feel like you need to talk to him then because and we're running out of time. We're live. Have you got his YouTube? phone number? You can call yeah. him up right now. We, so, wide receivers. Traylon Burks from Arkansas. I, he's a very difficult evaluation because he's got incredible balls. He's got incredible uh, playmaking ability, big body, weird usage pattern in Arkansas. They were just trying to get the ball in his hands any way, shape, or form. Literally had at least a snap in every offensive position except offensive line. So wide receiver, slot, tight end, backfield, quarterback. He literally had at least a snap everywhere just because they're just trying to get the ball in his hands. On the other hand, didn't run very well, has some concerns about his weight, and has no kind of route running savvy slash professional uh, ex-receiver history, right? Just doesn't, hasn't really played that. Massive unknown quantity. Sky Moore, I think he has an incredibly high floor, is really good, very confident that he'll be a good NFL wide receiver, but I don't know if he can be a great one or like a legit number one X receiver, which is kind of what I need at this point. And then the X factor guy in there is um, George Pickens, who I think 
Georgia wide receiver, ACL injury coming he's up. He's next on your board. Yes. So I think he's the guy that actually does have that X receiver number one ability is getting underrated by a lot of people because of the ACL, because of the relative lack of proven production at college, just hasn't got the the run at it that some of these other guys have. If I wanted to stake, like if I'm a Packers GM, I got Aaron Rodgers sitting there breathing down my neck wanting my number one wide receiver because I just traded his away or somebody just traded his away. I didn't do that. I wouldn't. You wouldn't do that. I got to replace that. The guy I'm most confident in replacing it with is George Pickens. Did you consult with ownership here? <laughs> All of them? Yeah. You got to get well, I ownership to involved here. Yeah, I just talked to Mike. Shareholder. The best thing about Packers ownership is they put their draft board at pff.com. Mike Renner, yeah. shareholder. That's true. Get the, get the draft board right there. Uh-huh. Right? So you, you kind of know what the Packers are going to do. Technically speaking, this draft board is endorsed by Packers ownership. It certainly is. Yeah. So you... I would trust the board. That being said, I'm I'm GM here. You are. You are. You're not Look, trusting you, the board. You hired me to be autonomous, so I'm going to make my own damn pick. I'm not going by your So ownership. I got to scroll all the way down to Pickens. Yeah. So I'm drafting George Pickens. Is that that's locked in? Me. Yep. George Pickens to the Green Bay Packers at number 22. Done. Yeah. Are you going to circle back and hit another uh, receiver here? Who knows? Let's see how the board fall, falls. Uh, what's our uh, draft promo this week? Draft 50? Is that what it is? Sure. I tweeted it out earlier. We're giving 50% off. Draft 50, yeah. Off uh, Elite. Mm-hmm. Draft 50. 50% off Elite. Now, you can still get 25% off of Edge <laughs> using NFL Pod. Yes. Right? I'm just saying. No, that's, that's, still on, that's still on the table. That's a good point. Well worth but making. But 50% off PFF Elite. I don't think we do this very often. No. That's as big as a discount as you're going to find. I'm serious. I didn't know we were doing this until they, they sent me the, the note today to like, hey, tweet this out. Tell people that we're 50% off. Tell your listeners. So Draft50 is the promo code. 50% off. Of course, it's you get the whole year, right? It's the annual subscription. And uh, 50%, that's like half off. So I would consider this. Very like half off. Um, strongly. Draft50. And then send an email and said, you heard it here from us. It's credit. It's all about credit here. PFF NFL podcast. Chris Sims has his edge rusher rankings. Oh yeah, coming out soon. I just soon stumbled into Twitter well, here by accident. Can't and, have uh, soon. I need now. I can't wait to see. He's going to have Hutchinson seven. Like what's going to happen here? Him and, like Hutchinson and Thibodeau are out of the top five. Would be my guess. I don't have any Chris Sims hate. I don't really care. It's just funny because <laughs> I appreciate the fact that his rankings look different. It's good. I do Our as rankings well. should I, look, look different too. Honestly, I appreciate that stuff. I. People get given a lot of crap for rankings all the time. Like, if you, the second you have one guy that deviates from the consensus or whatever, ah, you're an idiot. Your, your rankings are invalid immediately because this one dude. Like, so I, in my wide receiver rankings, I have Jahan Dotson a lot lower than a lot of people. You're uh, an idiot. Yeah. yeah. Idiot, your rankings are invalid because this one guy. Like, well, what if, what if the other nine are nailed, right? Even if, you left, even if you left him out and he's a Hall of Famer, right? What if your other nine are, like, the most accurate rankings of anybody? Are you immediately an idiot because that one dude you got wrong? No. Yeah. So I appreciate whatever I think about Chris Sims' rankings, and I think a lot of the times they're nuts. I (laughs) massively appreciate the fact that he's willing to go out there and say, screw it. I think this is different to everybody else, and I'm willing to put my name on it and say this is is what I believe from watching the tape. So you're no different than the guy on Twitter that says you're nuts. You just appreciate it. I Yeah. I'm I'm all for being nuts. I, who wants conformity when it comes to draft rankings? So his wide receiver rankings, he had like Alec Pierce number two or something, right? 
and he had uh, none, neither of the Ohio State guys, who I have one and two, in his top five. I think that's crazy, but I love that he's willing to go out and do it because it gives people, A, it's, it's a talking point, and B, it gives you something to look at when you go back, you know, in a couple of years' time and say, yeah, that guy was out there on one. He either got it right or he got it wrong. Yeah. Again, I, we joke with um, on the Chris Sims rankings. Alec like Pierce Chris. is number three. We hang three. out with Chris every now and again. Number three on his. But where we're it? similar. Oh, Alec, Alec Pierce. Pierce. Yeah. So he had neither of the Ohio State guys in his top five. But he also had Drake London number five, which is where I have. Whereas yeah. most people have Drake London number one. There'll be some similarities. Yeah. So, I think the rank, like, rankings from a guy like Sims that is um, that are generally very different than the consensus also just gives you insight into like what he values yeah. right and it, that that is always interesting and to with me. quarterback you can you get a very clear sense of what he values a quarterback which is like athletic physical tools above all else yeah and he i mean he does he works hard at it so. yeah and in recent years that's had a good track record of panning out you know we've we've talked about these toolsy quarterbacks are on a good run of becoming good nfl players right so if that's what you value you will have a good recent track record all right so i'm up on the board here arizona cardinals at 23 I'm considering guard, you know, I think right guard's a massive need. Defensive line is a massive need. I think Jordan Davis is interesting here too. But I'm going receiver for the Cardinals. I think, once again, the same way the commanders, you know, you got to do do well by Carson Wentz. I think the Cardinals, last year they had A.J. Green as their number two, and, and they were so much better with a better, more well-rounded group of receivers. DeAndre Hopkins there is the X. The same concerns that you've brought to the table about Traylon Burks. I feel like it's a good fit in Arizona. You could do some gimmick stuff. He could be more of a Z. He doesn't have to be that that number one X with DeAndre Hopkins, and he can develop. You already have your gimmick. You got Rondale. I'm not saying it's all gimmicks there, but he could do some keep defense off balance gimmick Two stuff. Two gimmicks? Yes. Double gimmick? Yeah. Gimmick to gimmick? That's the that's the air raid. No, I mean, Traylon Burks could play more, more Z type. You know, right receiver, really, in this system. <laughs> there is no X and Z. He'll be right receiver. <coughs> Left shark. All right, I'm going trailing Burks at 23 to the Arizona Cardinals. <coughs> I need more playmakers over there. Bless you, by the way. Yeah. And I like, you know, I'm going to use more tight ends. You got Max Williams and Zach Ertz there. Litter the field with playmakers. I'll grab a starting guard later. Okay. Traylon Burks to the Arizona Cardinals at 23. You're on the clock with the Dallas Cowboys at 24. All right. It's Dallas. <laughs> we, feel, we feel our biggest need. At all times. Fallacy. No, it's true. That's two, what we're doing. The last two years. We're going offensive line. Fallacy. So, for some reason, Dallas fans They had think 70 that linebackers, and they drafted a linebacker last year. That Only by mistake. Like, it was because somebody took the corners they wanted. They had two awesome receivers, and they drafted a receiver two years ago. Dallas have a need at left guard. And Dallas Cowboys fans are like, well, that's our, that's our only need in the offensive line, left guard. I, they also have an equal need at right tackle. Terrence Steele has been passable, maybe, at right tackle. Certainly no more passable than Connor McGovern. Duke Transom says he's great. <laughs> at left guard. Like, I don't understand how you can look at those two holes and the players that are currently slated to fill those spots and be like, oh, yeah, one's a much bigger need than the other one. They're, they're equal to me. Now, it doesn't really matter because I don't think there's a tackle out there that's uh, going to fit that spot better than the guard available. So, Zion Johnson. Boston College guard, Zion Johnson. You just slotting him right into left guard? Right in. Is he going to compete at right tackle? No. Yeah. He could compete at both spots. No, he's coming in. Played tackle left a few guard. years ago. Playing. Done. 
All right, where's uh, going to scroll down a little bit for Zion, 32 on the board. So he's going to be the pick at 24 for the Dallas Cowboys. I'm now up the Buffalo Bills at 25. Unfortunately, Tyler Linderbaum's off the board, yes. so I can't uh, yeah. I can't take him. Uh-huh. Uh, Jordan Davis is still on the board here for the Bills. Yes, that's an intriguing one for the team that you know the same same narrative that we've had for the uh, for the Chargers. This the Bills team that likes to play the run with fewer men in the box. Jordan Davis would be a big help. Cornerback two, I think, would be a you know an important spot, a, a need and value pick here for the Bills. I mentioned earlier I don't want to draft Andrew Booth in the first round. But you did. You mentioned that. I said that as um, a different GM. Now I'm the Bills GM. What? Yeah. You're still the GM. It's still you. I have different uh, draft boards, you see. You said oh, you didn't man. want to touch Andrew Booth in the first round. Yeah, that was as uh, Patriots GM, I believe it was. It doesn't matter. You said in the first round. Now I'm in the Buffalo. The round is still the same. Now I'm in Buffalo. Yeah. Now the Patriots GM said that. Uh, I, I would go Kair Elam over Andrew Booth. Elam's at, I mean, there are a couple different spots. There are a couple spots away from each other on the PFF draft board. But I would go Elam for the Bills if I was going to go corner. Have you seen Elam's grades? <laughs> yeah. They're not great, Bob. And they're heading in the wrong direction. Consistently. We've gone from 88 to 77 to 62 in the last three years i understand now i will i will happily acknowledge that i have made the point that showing the elite play is more important than when you did it i'm gonna say the point i made with derek stingley i put elam into my model (laughs) i will also say put him in my model that heading in in the wrong direction that consistently is bad let's see now if you sort by what solid players do and is most stable his coverage grade checks the box his forced incompletion percentage coverage grade raw just raw over the over the course of three years three years because three years all of his data matters right is the point here um so the things that are stable for solid players coverage grade forced to completion percentage wins above average per thousand snaps because he's had some injuries and all that stuff he's he checks those boxes doesn't check the combine box however um but he checks more boxes than than andrew booth so i'd feel a little bit better than kr elam he knowing had, that I don't feel good about any cornerback projection whatsoever when it comes to data. He had one stop, defensive stop in coverage this past season, which was tied for the 702nd uh, position. Now you just read in straight out of the draft guide, yeah. which is available for 50% off as part of your elite subscription using draft. 50. When you're tied for 702nd in, in the nation, it's not great. So here's what I'm going to do here. As the Buffalo Bills, what else do I have for picks? Where are my remaining picks? Why aren't they listed here? Come on, mock draft sim. Um, I'm going to go Jordan Davis. Now I'm taking Davis. I'm going to the defensive tackle. They brought in Jaquan Jones. Fine. You got Ed Oliver there. Give me the big-bodied, movable chess piece on the defensive line. How is he a movable chess piece? Because you're going to move him from head-up nose to shade shade. nose. (laughs) Yeah. He's going to play all the nose tackle positions. What are you talking about? He plays like a five technique. He plays like a five. So you he's move, he's going to move precisely one step left or right. I'm like, if if I'm facing Linderbaum, I'm going to put him over Linderbaum. I'm going to every undersized yeah. offensive lineman. He's going to go and all right push him back. And how anyway, many of those are there? Give me Jordan Davis to the Buffalo Bills. You're building a team to beat the Kansas. I'm going to circle back to corner because I think the difference in the next group of corners might be uh, negligible. You're you're building a team to beat the Kansas City Chiefs, who have a center that's like ten pounds smaller. That's fair. 
It's the one but guy. I have to beat more teams than the Chiefs. The one guy that can go gut to Gotta gut. Got to beat more teams than the Chiefs now. The one guy that can go gut to gut with Jordan Davis and actually hold up okay. Now, uh, the other no- the notable guy that's uh, Jermaine Johnson still on the board here. Yeah. A guy that the NFL is probably going to have go top 15. Nicobe Dean still on the board. Um, you're up, though. Tennessee Titans here at 26. Oh, you got all the picks that you hate. Right? I, there isn't a pick you can make that Tennessee fans don't hate, which makes me curious what they think their team is comprised of. What are we going to do with the Chiefs? We have the Chiefs at 29 and 30. Well, I take back-to-back Chiefs, and then you can take the Bengals and Lions to finish it up. Sure. Six uh, picks left here in the draft. Yeah. This is moving. Doing great. So, to me, Tennessee still needs – edge rushers i know that they have a ton of money and you know hope tied up in bud dupree and harold landry but literally neither one of those guys is a tremendously effective edge rusher i'm fine with harold landry being a starter because you know he does play all of the snaps he does get a good amount of pressure it's just that he will because he plays all of the snaps um but bud dupree what are you going to do with them then? You're going to have you have all that money locked up in those guys. You're just going to bench Bud Dupree or encourage your coaches, GM Sam. You're going to encourage your coaches to. I'm going to give them a superior pass rusher and say, figure it out. And if you don't, I'm going to fire your ass because I'm the GM and you're the coach. And that's how this chain of command works. Okay. You know what the chain of command is? It's the chain I get and beat you until you understand who's in the chain, who's in charge here. That's that's what we're dealing with. So, I'm going to give them the player, and they're going to figure it out. You're giving them. You can't give him the player. He's on the Chargers. Not that player. Oh, 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 sorry. The player, (laughs) TM, trademark, the player that I want to give them. So, look, I think you you can make an argument that they need linebackers, even though Tennessee fans think they don't. I think you can make an argument they need edge rushers, even though they and Tennessee fans presumably think they don't. Uh, Outside of that, I mean, that's where the value is. You can reach for a wide receiver if you want, sure. I I don't want to do that necessarily. Screw it. I'm going to take Jermaine Johnson. You're taking Jermaine Johnson. Yeah. All right. You just – what do Titans fans want here? I don't they, know. They have a lot of feedback a lot Look, of the time here. the Tennessee Titans were the number one seed Draft Jermaine Johnson. in the AFC last year. And they seem to be of the opinion that that means they're the best roster in the league. I just – I don't think it does. I mean, I'm intrigued by the fact that they were the number one seed with a – with all the roster turnover, and I think again, and it a lot of injuries. To, it speaks to they did a great job, but the depth in what Mike Rabel does. Yeah, they did a great job. They've got great coaching, et cetera, still et cetera. Had, but like, still had better players. You know, the I saw somewhere somebody praising it might have been the athletic thing that Mike Sando wrote, where they're getting opinions of a bunch of NFL executives and coaches and whatnot, and somebody was praising Atlanta for recognizing that the number of wins they got last year was basically a mirage, right? It was like, it would have been really easy to look at that and think, oh yeah, we can still like win and we're building something. They're like, no, they immediately recognized that this was, this was like a complete myth and we're actually a garbage team right now and we need to press reset and blow this thing up. So either we get Deshaun Watson and we can go somewhere or we got to get rid of the whole thing, start over and try and get this thing pointed back in the right direction. I think... I mean, Tennessee obviously are not in the same situation in that they were they didn't just win a few games. They were the number one seed. But I think you should look at that and be like, yeah, but now look at the rosters that all these AFC teams have assembled this offseason in this crazy arms race of the NFL where the entire AFC West just became Super Bowl contenders, where the Chiefs still exist, where, you know, all these teams started building these Super Bowl-bound rosters 
and you've done what? Okay, you trade for Robert Woods, great move, but like you don't have you don't have the best roster in the AFC. You might not have a top five roster in the AFC. You have a quarterback that's certainly well outside the top five in terms of just again the AFC. Yeah, like you're not set. You're never set. It's one of my axioms. Your your roster is never set. You never set anywhere. Even at edge defender, where you have half a billion dollars locked up in Bud Dupree and Harold Landry, you're never set. Therefore, sometimes you can add Jermaine Johnson. To and the again, mix. you know, mistakes have been made in the past. Not my fault. Not my problem. Look, the last GM threw the bag at these two dudes that I would never touch. So I'm drafting Jermaine Johnson, and he might be the best edge on the roster. End quote. I mean, look, if he can't be better. Sam on Thursday night, Tennessee Titans GM. <laughs> no, my, my like introductory press conference be like, look, if this guy can't be better than Bad Dupree, I don't know what we're doing here. Oh, come on, man. That's, that's mean. Do I need to read you his grades again? No, I, I understand. Okay. And stop giving me hate for calling him Bad Dupree. I'll, stop, I'll call him Bud when he gets some pressure. Are you firing up his page again? Yes. I am firing up. Bud slash Is this going to be part of your press conference? <laughs> I'm gonna I'd like you. to call to your attention, Exhibit A. <laughs> Other than 2019. All right. I would like to read you Bud's pass rushing grades. Start in 2015. 2015, we started off with a bang with a 49 grade and 24 pressures from 344 pass rushing snaps. Of course, 2016, we went down to 17 pressures in 232 snaps, a 59 grade. The next year, 61. The next year, 61. Then in 2019, we had this like breakout season, the incredible double-digit sacks, where we ended up with a 76 pass rushing grade, which frankly is a little bit above average. Like our crowning achievement here is we once became an above-average pass rusher. Uh, then the following year, we went right back down to 61. And then our first year in Tennessee, 56. So basically... We've been a pretty consistently below-average pass rusher, playing a ton of snaps and generally in a pretty good situation. I'm going to say I can do better than that. Okay. Here endeth the lesson. Jermaine Johnson to the Titans at 20... Where are we? 26. All right, puts the Bucks up on the clock at 27. uh, With Zion Johnson's the only first-round guard that we have as far as grade goes. The, the Bucks are one of those teams. It's like, all right, we got to do best by Tom Brady here. Who knows how many years he has? you got to fill all these needs. I, I don't know if there's a guard I want to squeeze in there. Kenyon Green has been a common guy. We just dropped him on the board, Texas A&M. I could go that route. I have looked at available free agents, though, Sam. Oh, yeah? I feel like I could bring in you know, – Daryl Williams hasn't really played on that side, but I could bring in a Quentin Spain yeah. for a year. You know, and with the, everyone else being pretty good on that offensive line, I'll be okay. Ode Obushi, like I think we can get by. It's also worth like not drafting a guard as well. Tom I'm Brady had the second fastest average time throw in the NFL last year. Yeah. Tom Brady is about as good as it's going to get in terms of the job you have as an offensive lineman. He's going to protect, protect you a little bit. Yeah. So if you're Quentin Spain, coming off you know a renaissance of a year last season, renaissance, um, it's a way better situation than it was last year for him. Like, Quentin Spain blocking for Tom Brady is a lot better than Quentin Spain blocking for Joe Burrow. So, I'm not going to draft a guard because of those reasons. Uh, The other places. Now, if I went your route, I'd grab N'Kobe Dean and be like, here, go go replace Devin White. My grades are bad on Devin White. But I know the White has some value. I I am the GM, Mm -hmm. but I'm not going that route. Okay. I'm not drafting linebacker this high. 
I did no, he wouldn't want to take a, a risky pick. I did here. it for the Texans. Yeah, I did it for the Texans 13. only. Um, I'm looking in the secondary for the Bucks right now, and uh, Jaquan Brisker, who I loved earlier for the Patriots, yeah, I think is a really good fit for the Bucks. I'm using my little uh, does he tick the box system. Listen to this one. Listen to this one with Brisker. Listen, Renner, move him up. He's a first-round safety. Brisker from Penn State. The metrics that lead to elite safety play, actually how well they cover in single coverage when they're one-on-one has translated really well. Wins above average, coverage, all this stuff. He checks every box. Jaquan Brisker, and that's going to replace Jermaine Whitehead, who left, who had some physicality to the the secondary. They brought in Logan Ryan. He's not a long-term option there. I'm going Brisker. Too high safety, fits what... The Bucks like to do add a little physicality in the box. I'm going Jaquan Brisker from Penn State, and yeah, that's their pick. Not even drafting the right safety. I like Lewisine from uh, Georgia as well. Yeah, I think I think Brisker might be a tick ahead of him for certain teams. For me, as the general manager, how far do I have to scroll to find your safety? He's like fortieth or something, <clears throat> right? It's not too yeah. bad. All right, all yeah. right. So you're up now with the Packers. You already took uh, George Pickens first time around. I did took George Pickens. Uh, I still, however, have a fairly desperate need at wide receiver. I think I'm double dipping. Um, I think I'm going to take Sky Moore, be confident in his floor, the fact that he will get open, that he'll win consistently, and that his ceiling is undefined right now. I don't know how good he can be. Maybe he'll be just a solid number two, number three option and help my offense. On the other hand, Maybe the fact that he wins across the board in every conceivable way gives him a higher upside than that. And maybe he ends up being the best receiver I draft in the first round. So I'm, there's no downside. So you're going Sky, Sky Moore. Moore. Yeah. So now you have George Pickens and Sky Moore in Green Bay. Yeah. All right. And Alan Lazard. And, and Alan Lazard. Bob Tunyon. Sounds like Funyon. Is this a happy call with, uh, with Aaron? I would hope so. We got two Aaron, receivers for you, Aaron. After a decade of never giving you a first-round wide receiver, we gave you two. How about two? Are you happy? And then he'll go, no, because I had Devontae Adams, and now I don't have Devontae Adams. <laughs> well, these two will add up to Devontae Adams. All right, that puts the Kansas City Chiefs up on the clock for two picks. So I'll take these two, and then you'll finish it up with the Bengals and Lions. So start start getting ready over there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chiefs at 29 and 30 here. Uh, of course, the Tyree Kill trade. is the, So this was... Um, Originally, the 49ers pick here at 29. Then the Dolphins pick at 29. Now it's the Chiefs. And I'm just buying time as I figure out who I want to draft. (laughs) That's what I'm doing. Because you just took another receiver off the board. Yeah. And let me just say, our next receiver on the draft board is Jahan Dotson, Mm -hmm. uh, who's number 46 on the PFF draft board. Then we get into Jalen Tolbert. Not on yours, but on the PFF board. Yeah. Uh, Dotson, Jalen Tolbert, they're both similar in my rankings. You know, Christian Watson is in there. Mm Mm-hmm. If you want that, if you want to try to hit a home run, right? Is there home run potential there with the Chiefs? Is he too redundant with the guy that I comped him to, Marcos Valdez-Scantling, who's already on the roster in Kansas City? I don't think I can go the receiver route here. I think it's too much of a stretch for me. That's my game. Well, I mean, look, the draft, some of the receivers that have already gone will be available for the Chiefs, I believe, in reality. But if the draft goes like this, where you and I are picking and we have yeah, we value a lot of the same players, as Chiefs GM here, I feel like I'm getting screwed because I've already taken a lot of the players I would have taken for the Chiefs. So how do I play this board? I think I might attack the defensive line. A massive need here. Boye Mafe 
from Minnesota who has some of the best burst I think I've ever seen mm. on the edge. When you watch him, it is it is difficult for tackles to even get in position quickly enough to block him. He's not perfect, but he continues to get better. Had a nice little senior bowl. I'm going Boye Mafe from uh, Minnesota as my first pick here for the Kansas City Chiefs. So we've got – there's your defensive line. So you're ripping me before for drafting edge rushers when they've got when they've got uh, Bud Dupree and Harold Landry. You as the Kansas City Chiefs, you got Frank Clark and his giant-ass contract saddling. You're oh, he'll be happy, gone Happy to drop soon. him out. And Michael Dana. Yeah, okay, that's that's less. Dana had a nice career. I mean, the whole defensive line is an issue, whether Frank Clark is there or not. But we're we're trying to move on from Frank Clark. We're trying to set. I mean, I'm trying like, to move on from Bad Dupree, but you won't let me. Yeah, but you're only in year two. Like we're well into the Frank Clark experience here. We could get we can get out of that a little bit sooner. So Mafe is going to take over for Frank at some point. I could I could go edge again. I could go I could go defensive line again, but I'm not. Um, I do think with Tyron Matthew leaving. You have Justin Reed. You have Juan Thornhill. Do you want one of those hybrid type of players? Jalen Petres, uh, interesting here for Baylor. I don't think he's going to go this high, though, in reality. So I'll wait on him, potentially. But corner, Rashad Fenton, DeAndre Baker. We do need an outside corner. And this is where I mentioned there is there is Andrew Booth. We have a leak at my house. Hmm. It's an emergency. Yeah. Well, just... Put your hand over it for a little bit, Cal. We'll get it. We'll get to it. I'm not sure there's a ton you can do from here. There's not. No. Except call a plumber. Can we get? Can we get? Can somebody send a plumber to my house, please. I'll just I'll just throw my address out. You just throw it to the. I'm kidding. Cornerback Rashad Fenton, DeAndre Baker. You got Legarius Sneed playing the slot. I'm going outside corner here. I'm going Kyer Elam from Florida. That's my next corner on the. I will want him over Andrew Booth. You can have Booth. You can figure it out. You can grab him. But I'll take okay. uh, I'll take Elam from Florida. Yeah, if you look on back to back defensive picks here for the Kansas City Chiefs, and I don't feel great about it because I really want more receivers for Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, but I don't I mean, like where they are right now. This is a risk of the trade away the wide receiver elite wide receiver strategy and replace him with the draft pick you got for it, particularly when it's a low first round pick. Is what if all of the wide receivers go? Yeah, and all of a sudden you're sitting there. Without one, without you, kind of don't even have the capacity to replace him with the guy you got for the pick. Like, what if the Vikings were drafting that year, and all of the wide receivers, including Justin Jefferson, had gone by pick twenty, whatever it was? I mean, everybody, all Eagles fans wanted Justin Jefferson anyway. Right. Thought they were getting Justin Jefferson. The Vikings giggled okay, I mean, yeah, in the draft it, room, like, "Oh, we got Justin Jefferson." It easily could have gone the other way, where the Eagles took Jefferson and the Vikings ended up with J J Rager, and you're like, "Oh crap, that didn't work out." But what, like, forget that. What if like all of them had gone? Like Rager and Jefferson and, you know, they'd all gone. And you're sitting there with your pick. You are like, well, we've got a first-round pick to spend on a wide receiver and there are no wide receivers. Like that's, that's a risk in doing this. Um, not to go back and hammer the nail in the coffin of Bud Dupree too much, but overthecap.com has like a – they have a valuation themselves of what a guy should be earning. Over the cap's valuation of Bud right now is $1.5 million. Oh, they don't pull any punches, huh? They're just like straight, <laughs> straight math. Yeah, and I yeah, know those yeah. are those are based off PFF grades. So yeah, it's not and it's redundant. It's but. Uh, it's not even one and a half. It's one point four five eight million. Yeah, we have a good relationship <laughs> with our friend Jason over at Over the Cap, and uh, they do use our data for some of that stuff on the site. Yeah. We use their data on our site. So look, Bud, Bud's going to be paying or getting any earning sixteen million this year, and yeah. uh, probably not justifying. That's it. why you're a little bit better off drafting. 
Jermaine Johnson. An edge. Yeah. Getting that value out of mm-hmm. him. All right. So I'll take uh, – I got Mafia and Elam. Back-to-back defense for the Chiefs. Those yep. are needs too, but sure. this is part of the Tyree Kill strategy is make the rest of the roster better. So we're doing that, but I still want to circle back to receiver. So you're going to finish it up, man, unless you want me to take one of these two picks. Whatever you want. But Bengals at 31, Lions at 32. Bengals. You already started the Lions, so you finish it. Bengals, I think the they're in a good spot here. As much as the players that have gone off the board have screwed certain certain teams in certain positions, for the Bengals, it actually works out pretty well. You've got N'Kobe Dean still there. Um, we have him at 18 on our big board. He's fits a position of need. I, the Bengals have some kind of young players at linebacker, and not all of them are terrible, but I think you could definitely upgrade either one with a N'Kobe Dean pick. Jermaine Pratt in particular, I think, would be the guy. So you could go that route. Um, how low do you think David Ajabo falls, given he just blew out his Achilles? So this is a guy that was like mid probably misses pick. this season. I mean, yeah. You're, oh, yeah. So... And it's an Achilles for an edge rusher. So the dude may never be the same again. Like, that's a real right. risk as opposed to tore an ACL. We expect him back 100%. I don't think this is like um, Jeffrey Simmons. Right. Right. Jeffrey Simmons from Mississippi State was probably a top 10 caliber player. Ends up going right around 2021 20, to yeah. the Tennessee Titans. Missed about half of his first season. Ojabo, I think, at least falls to the second round. Yeah. Because he would be, if he didn't hurt himself, we would probably be having similar discussions with him and. Trayvon Walker, except Ajabo had it would be one year of production and only six hundred snaps. Yeah. And you would say, ah, you know, it's just it's early in his career. He hasn't played a ton of football. He'll probably get better, but there's some risk there because he's only played six, seven hundred snaps in his career. Um, so I, I would look at him as a mid first round, probably from a PFF value. Yeah. But it's gotta be second round, right? I think so as well. So I think he's out of the conversation. But I think Andrew Booth, the guy you seem to hate is definitely alive. I hate him. I think Lewis Seen at safety from Georgia is is there, as as is Jalen Petrie. Um, those I think are all viable options. I think Andrew Booth is definitely worth a gamble at thirty one in the first round. That guy has insane movement skills, footwork, just the, some of the best physical tools of anybody in this draft, and he he's willing to hit. Like the dude comes up and lays the wood, like yeah. comes smacks people. And, okay, he hasn't got the best tape in the world at corner. But he, the coach has got to do something at some point, right? Let's, let's, let's coach him up. I want to give you this guy who's got all the tools in the world. And I'm going to get him a number 31 overall. What more do you want? I love how you when – you, when you're actually sitting in the seat, you're going to, you know, just – Here, coaches. I'm doing my job. I, look, it, help me out here. I mean, you sit here. We, we, we sit here. Not you. We'd sit here and we're critical of the, the, the GMs who actually sit in the seat. Mm-hmm. And then when you're sitting in the seat, you're doing the same thing that you rail against all the time. Here's an athlete. Go figure it out, coach. I mean, he's not just an athlete. I'm just saying, look, there's some work to be done and the work's on your end. Okay. So do the work. So you're going Andrew Booth? I did the work. I scouted him. <laughs> I scouted him. What's your problem? I scouted him. Moves well. Good mover. Smooth mover. All right. Good footwork. Great footwork. Yeah. Look, willing, willing to hit. He's aggressive. You should love that. Now just teach him how to play corner. <laughs> there was some, uh, not even going to get into it. There are some people that sometimes value the traits that you show when guys, when you, while you're playing bad football. Yeah. 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 Uh, saw that. Saw that float around the time. That bad. All right. Andrew Booth. He's going 31 to the Bengals. Yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah. His grades are, you know, better than Elam's. 
Yeah, but the he doesn't check as many boxes when you look at the totality of their careers. <laughs> and look, he hasn't hit the ceiling of Elam. On the other hand, his grades are getting better every year as he gets more experience and more playing time. And his coverage stops don't rank 702nd in the nation. They rank 52nd. Oh, there we go. His raw coverage <laughs> grade ticks the box. Yeah. Combine score, the wins above average, everything else not so I much. think he's a good gamble to take given how young he is, at, how inexperienced he is at playing corner. Uh, so the Lions, 32. You want to like combine on this pick since it's the last one? Sure. <clears throat> Who do we get? We gave them Desmond Ritter. Desmond gave on Thibodeau at number two. So the Lions, again, they're in this spot of they hit the trenches hard last year. They're looking for everything on the perimeter and potentially a quarterback. <clears throat> do you give them a quarterback at this spot or do we grab value somewhere else? Like Lewis Seen makes sense for them. I think Nicobe Dean makes sense for them. A lot of players make sense. I would probably lean QB. But I would I would lean QB through the lens of I'm also not shy about taking a QB next year too. Yeah. You know, as GM, I would take a I'd probably take a Desmond Ritter. I do I this I, year. I've never I haven't heard an answer to this question, but I would be genuinely fascinated to find out for for real from Detroit like when you set out this rebuilding plan that was obviously a multi-year process where did the quarterback slot in on paper like when you drew it up on the whiteboard what are those the Gantt chart you know when you drew the Gantt chart up where did the quarterback come in was it year two or is it year three because whatever it was I would stick with it if I'm Detroit like I wouldn't there's certainly nothing about this draft class that would make you go, hey, we thought it was going to be year three, but this guy's so good, we got to take him year two. Yeah, I, well, but again, I, I keep coming back to they did a good job of getting those draft picks for Matthew Stafford. Let's continue to trade down and accumulate draft picks. But if you, let's say you draft 20 times over the next two years, if you're the Lions. If two of those 20 picks are used on quarterbacks rather than a safety, a linebacker, another defensive lineman, whatever it is. That's going to be the most important thing is hitting on one of those quarterbacks. I want to give myself two shots instead of one. I, even if I got an all-pro linebacker, it doesn't matter if I don't find the QB, right? No, but if you find him with the second pick, then it means your first pick was just set up, set on fire. Like you just, you did nothing. Like if, you, if the second pick actually is the one that hits you on the quarterback, which if you missed on the quarterback in the first place, it needs to be then it means your first pick was just a waste of time and you could have had the quarterback that you hit anyway and something else. Yeah, but th there's two things here, right? So let's say let's say you draft Desmond Ritter this year. Next year, you get the number one overall pick and it's CJ Stroud and you love him and he's awesome and he's great, okay? Then you take Desmond Ritter and some, all you have is one year of Desmond Ritter. He plays some games, he doesn't look like the next guy, whatever it is. Someone around the league values Desmond Ritter probably as a second round pick, right? He loses some value. You probably flip him for a third. Okay, so Desmond Ritter next year gets traded for a third-round pick. Okay, so now to find C.J. Stroud, you gave up pick 32. You also got a third-rounder back. And then you used the number one overall pick, say, for, for C.J. Stroud. When teams, when teams trade multiple first-round picks like the 49ers did or whoever to go get their quarterback, it's usually three first-rounders and all that stuff. Like, that is not a big price to pay to find C.J. Stroud, right? And then the alternative would be, maybe you have Nicobe Dean, let's say he becomes an all-pro, or a pro bowl linebacker, not all-pro, becomes a very good linebacker. 
So you have Nicobe Dean, and maybe you still stumble into C.J. Stroud. But that's like what you're giving up, is maybe you're giving up a very good starting linebacker. That's a big maybe for the opportunity to have multiple chances to find your quarterback. And so you've, you've given up Dean, you've given up, which is pick 32, and you've given up whatever. I mean, you, and you get a third round back. So Dean, you get a third rounder back, you get to your C.J. Stroud. I'm just saying, like, those are the situations where it's not crazy to keep drafting quarterbacks other than the human element of like poor Desmond's going to feel bad because they drafted another QB, but who cares? You're trading him anyway. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't even think that part matters on the basis that if you're giving up on the guy after a year, it, uh, who cares what he thinks? You know what I mean? This is like Josh Rosen. It's like, <laughs> how much should we care about Josh Rosen's feelings when we're drafting Kylo Murray number one overall? Probably there, not much because we're getting rid of him. There is an interesting note in the chat. And I've thought about this one before. Davis Mills, if he had gone back to school, remember he came out with about 13 starts. Mm -hmm. He went to the NFL, was the second best rookie quarterback. Not, I mean, by default almost, yes. but second best rookie quarterback. He mm -hmm. was better than Trevor Lawrence for the most part. Sure. Better than Zach Wilson. He was better than maybe Justin Fields. They were, they were similar, uh -huh. right? Davis Mills, if he was in this draft, yeah. if he went back to Stanford and had a pretty good season, he's a first-round quarterback, Right. Is he the top quarterback in this draft if he went back? It, it's totally dependent on what that season looks like because I did not like his tape at all last year. So he would have had to be a lot better this past season. But he was also in a not-so-good Texan situation. Yeah. Only Brandon oh, he played Cooks way better for the Texans than he did at Stanford. But my point, so if you're sort of projecting... So if he, he had like back, an 85... He, what he did in the NFL level, he might have been an 84, 85 college quarterback grade-wise which wasn't as high as Ritter, wasn't as high as what we've seen from Sam Howell, but comparable. Kenny Pickett ended up with a 90. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's the thing, too. If you evaluated Kenny Pickett a year ago at this time, you think you're out on him now? You would have been way out on him a lot a year ago of course. at this time. And he still had a 92 grade this but past like, year. It was very good. Yeah. Like, yeah, absolutely. So, I, it just, I think it's completely dependent on, like, what that season would have looked like. If we had gotten, so he had an 81 passing grade his final season at Stanford, and I thought his tape was bad. Like, it wasn't good at all. And I wasn't in on him in any way, shape, or form. He'd had 72 the year before. So if he'd gone 72, 81, and then like 90, right? That would have been consistent development. The 90 grade probably would have looked a lot worse than the 82. And yeah, then I think at that point, you're in the discussion. And maybe you're looking at his tape. He probably had fewer at that point if you're... You're plotting out some kind of development and growth. He probably has less warts in his tape than Kenny Pickett does in terms of pocket presence, running the hell out of clean pockets, holding onto the ball for an age. His issue was like Andrew Luck, bad Andrew Luck mistakes. Yeah. You know? So, yeah, he would have been in this conversation, I think, as a first rounder. I think his tape would have been cleaner and there would have been less projection than Matt Corral and Sam Howell. So it would have put him, I don't think he would have hit the ceiling that Malik Willis has. I don't, he would be in the Desmond Ritter range, I guess. Yeah. As maybe QB two in this draft. Just an interesting thought experiment there. I'm looking at Ritter. I kind of like your reasoning on Malik Willis one, Ritter two in your quarterback rankings, right? Yeah. And I'm thinking of from the Lions standpoint, I'm probably going to still draft a quarterback next year. I'm hypothetically saying maybe it's number one, but I'm, I'm going to do what I can to probably draft a quarterback next year, but I'm going to try to go with the upside play and Desmond Ritter. I've given them Sam Howell before in this spot. I'm with you on, I don't want it to be Pickett. 
or corral, really. So I would love, if I'm the Lions here, I would love for there to be one of the high-end corners or wide receivers available at this spot. If there isn't, then I think... No one's there. No, that's yeah. what I mean. In our draft, yeah. If there isn't, and in this draft, there isn't. Like, you've got to go all the way down to... I mean, depending on where you are in Jahan Dotson, I'm not high. If it's Roger McCreary at corner, if it's um, Kyler Gordon, Jalen Tolbert, these are all guys that you think are probably fairly solid second-rounders at best, at which point, what the hell, let's roll the dice on um, Desmond Ritter. I would probably take McCreary in the first round, but if the NFL is going to get him later, I would would play that game and and take him later. Do you want to go Ritter? Sure. Desmond Ritter, where's he on the board? 43. Pick 32. There it is. Draft's over. Detroit Lions take Desmond Ritter. Make sure you save this. Save this image. Download it. We'll tweet it out. We got to uh, specify who uh, who picked for whom. I pretty much had most of the odd picks. So we'll, figure, we'll, we'll get a graphic out there on our Twitter account so people can uh, pick you apart. But uh, I think it's good. It's a perfect mock draft. Perfect. Okay. Yeah. And we'll do another one next week. Love mock draft Monday because we get to discuss all of the various scenarios. They never always... They never look the same, right? There's they can there's all these different scenarios that we could talk through. Uh, appreciate everybody tuning in on a Monday morning with us. Don't forget, Hutch is out this week. Wherever you are listening to us in podcast world or on the YouTube channel, four-part series on Aiden Hutchinson, his rise to the potential number one overall pick in the NFL draft. And then for a limited time only, Draft 50 will get you 50% off a PFF Elite annual subscription over at pff.com thanks to uh western and southern thanks to manscaped and uh we'll be back on uh, i'm traveling a little bit this week so we'll figure out what's what's happening here. where are you going I'm going to palm springs sam wow yeah why uh we've got it's a work trip hmm we got some uh i don't have a work trip to palm springs well you're on a you're in a different part of the uh the company uh, yeah i am i'm going with the with the techies huh. the tech guys tech guys yeah they need your expertise in there I, I'm a, I am a product stuff. manager, and we, we work hand-in-hand. Hand. So I'm going with my tech guys for some, some team building, okay. trust building. We'll probably like fall and catch each other and build trust. Who the hell's catching you? I have to trust them. I mean, I guess you can, Hopefully the rest of the team. You can explain to them you're down to, you know, maybe 265. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, if they catch the 265 me, they've got a shot. If it's 280 that's me... More, that's what I'm saying. That's much more doable than, you know, 285, 290. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll try building trust a different way. Rick could catch you. Rick. Rick's pretty strong. Right. Yeah. He's getting old, though. It's 51. True. He's also, like, there's a there's a stature problem there, you know? Like, how far are you falling at the point yeah. where he ends up catching you? And the stumpy arms don't help there, no, like they do with the bench press. Yes. Yeah. A lot of inside jokes here. But anyway, I'll be in, uh, out and about. Jokes. Just, just jokes. I'll be out and about this week. Um, I'll try. We'll try to get something done for the Thursday show. You might be on your own here for the uh, yeah. for the mailbag show. You gotta you gotta take some like pictures and video and stuff that you can tweet out from the podcast account. You know, yeah. while while we're in here driving in the, studio. the BMW and doing donuts and stuff. Right when we're in in the studio, this is what Steve's doing in Palm Springs. Yeah, we can tweet that out in the in the uh, podcast. Okay, I'll see what I'll see what I can do. Yeah, document it. Maybe maybe it lands on the TikTok page. Maybe <laughs> we can TikTok the experience. Yeah. but uh, I'll be around. And uh, yeah, all sorts of great stuff here leading up to the draft. We are going to do the player comp show next week. We do have Nate Tice locked in, so your mid two thousands comps. We'll, we'll get we'll get that full experience as well. So mid two thousand comps. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. Anyway, thanks to everybody for tuning in. We'll see you again on Wednesday. <laughs>